on episode 92 of Pixel Kaiden. We consider quitting our day jobs and playing Neo Geo. We discuss our most replayed games. We receive a little visit from Michael McDonald. We find out Doom is on two new platforms. We play two classic walkabout shmups. Discuss lots of new upcoming games. Tim talks old retro game magazines. We enjoy some fall beers and laugh until our sides hurt. Hello and welcome to a spooky edition of Pixel Gaiden. Yes, indeed. It's October. I'm Very your host, exciting. I'm your host, Cody Hoffman. I'm Eric Nelson. And we're just two groovy dudes. I was going to say ghouls, but that's what they say for girls, right? Is it? I don't know. Two groovy dudes, either. as far as like I'm I, concerned. Like we've talked about many... Man, this is going to be like, what, of our third Halloween show or... I don't fourth know. October. Oh, no, I think, I think we've, we've gone quite a while now. We've done a few of the. Of, we don't do anything for Halloween. We just no. say spooky at the beginning. And that's about it. But that's right. That's right. But the cool thing is, it's my favorite type of beer. It's my uh, yeah. favorite yeah. time of season. Although it's unseasonably hot still, so it's not really feeling like fall. But that's okay. It's always it's still fire season in California. That's true. You're it's right. Normal. That's normal. Yep. Um, you were excited about this episode because we have a lot going on, apparently. And, and, and what do you say? We we're returning to normalcy here? Returning to normalcy? I mean, I, we, we, we missed him and we wish he was here, of course. But now it's kind of settled back into a normal recording routine, normal's format. We're going to do Battle of the Systems. We're going to do Six Good. Jag, you are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Tim on this now. Jag, you are. Well, we're, we're doing that next episode. Next That's episode. Right. Next keep episode. in mind. Keep in mind. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get our penny loafers on here and feel cozy all over again because we do have. Um, uh, we're going to go ahead and do the news as we like to do, Mr. Eric. And then this episode, you and I are going to cover two games for the Battle of the System. That's right. Um, I picked this one. I'm very excited. I love both these games, and I'll tell you more about them when we get there. But. Elemental yes. Master on the Genesis. Yeah. And Gunsmoke on the NES. Now, you might say to yourself, Cody, your battle of the systems are usually against two competing systems. That's an 8-bit and a 16-bit. I will tell you more later, but they are absolutely a battle of the systems. Um, and then uh, on this particular episode, Tim will be joining us, not in live, but with a Tea Time with Tim. He's going to talk about, I believe, old retro game magazines. Oh, which are right. cool. In fact, when he was here last uh, last month, I've, he left a couple over here, which you were supposed to take one, but you did not. So no, yeah, I've got I a Crash magazine, and uh, I forget the other one right now, Amiga something magazine. So um, very cool. But nonetheless, we're going to start like we always do with some quick questions. Quick questions. So. Let's start our quick question off with me. With Eric. The, the narcissist that I am. We're going to start with me. Um, 
So, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give credit where credit's due here. I completely ripped this question off from uh, ARG Presents because they were talking about Neo Geo games. They this was I think a month ago or maybe two where they were talking about Neo Geo games, and they talked about uh, this particular question. I kind of morphed it into a four slot, but here here goes the question. Gotcha. You have gotcha. a four slot Neo Geo cabinet now. You can have not for resale. So we're not talking about value. Value is irrelevant here. Mm-hmm. You can have four games to slot in there, and that's all for this machine. Which games do you add to your new cabinet? So key key for me on this is a, it's a physical cabinet. That's right. Um, which means it's going to sit in my room with uh, a fourth slot. You know, Neo Geo's got two-player controls. So I'm going to lean towards player versus player games because those are the best. Uh, but I don't like fighters, so I'm going to go ahead and pick first and foremost two games that are a tie for must-haves. So they're both in Windjammers, okay, an awesome disc battling game. Yes, a flying disc. If you want to say frisbee, you can. Uh, and then I'm going to pick uh, Neo Turf Masters. It's probably my favorite most played Neo Geo game of all time. Uh, and then it gets harder for the next two. If I had to pick two more. Honestly, I think I'd stick with the two-player thing. I'd probably grab um, Bust a Move, a Bust a Move game. Yeah, yeah, that's solid. Solid. And then pick. I think I'd have to just—I don't know which one. I'd, I'd throw a Metal Slug in there, so a Metal Slug of some sort, or or maybe Shock Troopers, which is also Ooh, really Shock fun. Troopers. That's a yeah, good remember, one too. Remember so. when we did that? We did an episode oh, yeah. with Shock Troopers. That was awesome. <laughs> so you're already locked and loaded. What were you for on this one? So I agree with you. I, I too two that we agree on completely and that is wind jammers put that on there for sure yeah and neo turf masters that's yep. a that, that's yep. a given my next two though would oh be, i know i know one you're gonna go with hold on well uh actually i don't think okay then I, I won't. then I won't then i won't okay okay i, I think i know what you think i'm gonna pick <laughs> what do you but, think but, i think you're gonna think you picked. nightmare in the dark yes that's what i was thinking no not gonna do that one because okay. it, it does okay. chug and it's got some problems not gonna do that Gotcha. Plus, gotcha. it's it's fun to play around Halloween, and I, I have this Neo Geo cabinet all year round. Um, I'm going to pick Ghost Pilots because I want to shmup. Ooh, okay. And I yeah. really like that one. Although I can never remember if it's Ghost Pilot or Ghost Pilots. Ooh, okay. yeah. Anyway, hmm, you know what I'm knows. talking about. It's kind of like Chuck E. Cheese and Chuck E. Cheese's. <laughs> like, I never. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. That's- and then I think I, I do want a fighter because I love fighters, and that's it's kind of hard to pick, but I think I'd pick Samurai Showdown. Okay. Ooh, you know, that's one I actually want to try to get into, honestly. That's a fighter I'm intrigued about because I heard it's like, obviously, it's sword battling. It um, is. But it is more about, like, if you get one or two hits in, that's all it takes to kill someone. So it's more about tactics, and uh, it's a little more slow-paced, and uh, it's not just about smashing buttons as much. Correct. So is that, th- is that, that that's true? the one I'd pick. So those are my four. Okay. Cool. Very interesting question. Actually, we are loaded with quick questions this month. So uh, we've got two more for you. Really, yeah. first, I want to throw in that we are part of the Amigos Retro Game Network, uh, which includes such shows as Amigos Everything Amiga, ARG Presents, Sprite Castle. Um, amongst a bunch of other shows. Let's see, The Coco Show comes to mind, uh, Ars Sinclair, The ZX Spectrum Show. So make sure you check those out as well. Um, however, for the next question, I'll go ahead and be, uh, let's, let's skip that one, head down to the one so I can be egotistical and ask, 
Oh, you know what? No, no, no. I'll save that for next time. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll read Pajaco's here. So Pajaco asks, Pajaco6502 on our Discord, if you make, if you could make enough money from Pixel Gaiden, would you quit your jobs and do it full-time, or would you still want a regular day job with Pixel Gaiden prov- providing a break from work life? Um, Eric, you know, I've heard there's no such thing as a dumb question. <laughs> Oh, Pajaka, we love you, man. <laughs> what a dumb question. Of course I'd love to do this full-time and quit actual work. And, um, and, I, and we would have an episode. We could do an episode a week, I think. You know, if, oh. if, this was, if this was all we could do, we'd have a much better YouTube channel. Oh, we, I, would, not, I would do a video a week. I would have a, a podcast a week. We'd probably do a video with the podcast, have it on YouTube. We'd play regular games, have regular segments. Like, it would be a much bigger production and... We just uh, we, we're trying to keep it realistic because of our day jobs and families and everything else. But we're, we're very busy people. I mean, I think all three of us are super busy, so it's very challenging to do the research and to fit everything in. But Pajaka, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't. I would say that I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even have to make the money. Let's say we started getting more and more and more popular. I wouldn't have to match my salary. I would drop off at like maybe seventy. Yeah. 75% and then I would like work harder to make get back to where I was but I would be so eager to quit and just work on the podcast I I think I, I man I could I just I, I uh, salivate just think of what we could do with all that time I hope none of your clients are listening right now <laughs> I don't I, honestly I don't care <laughs> I don't care I'm sure if they could do what they loved for a living as well mm-hmm. um, absolutely that's funny yeah, that's where my, my mind goes. There's so many things I want to do with this show, and there's a reason we have such big, long shows, and that's because we get we get just like blab at the mouth one one day a month, and we yeah. can't stop talking, and we have to cut it in half, and that's it. We give ourselves a day a month. So that's right. Um, that being said, keep an keep a, an ear out for our next show, which will be out on October 30th, in which we will indeed, Eric, cover a, uh, six good games on the Atari Jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> with, with with him and then uh and then next on that episode too we'll have an eric's take where you covered uh something interesting yes i did yes i did <laughs> you're not, you're not going to tease it no i'll tease it because actually I, I i did a dual format i actually recorded audio for it which you'll hear on this podcast it is covering the jvc xi that we spoke a lot about last month but i'm going to go into the details of the history of the machine um, uh, uh, what what really went into getting it back working again, um, all that good stuff. But I did a video of it as well, which will probably come out two or three days after the audio podcast. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I was actually going to put you on next month, but we'll we'll just that's have fine. to see, I suppose. We'll just that'll have to work. see. But <laughs> that'll actually work just fine because that'll give me more time to work on video, which I suck at. So there we go. There we go. To- yeah. So we'll hear Eric talk about uh, the. Was it JVC? JVC? JV? JVC XI. Yeah, XI. Yep. Super cool that you got that thing. Yeah. Uh, we've got one more quick question here, which I'll jump right into after we talk about our show sponsor, RetroRewind.ca. Eric, yes. did you need me to say that again? Did you hear that all right? I heard that just fine. Oh, well, anyways, someone might not have, so I'm going to say it again. RetroRewind.ca, your home for everything Commodore and Tandy Color Computer. Coco related. If you need parts, pieces, uh, repairs, capacitor kits, head on down to retrorewind.ca. 
couple of items I want to highlight this time are uh, this very cool Commodore 64 AV adapter. If you uh, are tired of the funky little DIN connector plug things that go in the back of your Commodore to try to break out some um, different video formats, this thing plugs right in there. Uh, and it breaks out all kinds of cool. In fact, I've got one. Let me just uh, get off the mic here to check out mine in person. I'm holding it right here. Here's what it sounds like when you shake it. <laughs> so now you know what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, but you've got your audio in. You've got audio left and right out. You've got uh, component video out. You've also got S-video right there. So this plugs right into the back, and you use all the cables you, you already own. Uh, and you've got some options like mono, stereo. You can do... Uh, uh, there's a couple other jumpers on here. But anyways, if you want to break out any of the audio and video signals out the back of your Commodore 64, this thing is for you. And I would just keep one just in case uh, you can't find that funky cable that comes with your Commodore 64. And uh, besides, S-Video out is so much cooler anyways. And then one more item I wanted to talk about as well. We haven't talked about this in a while, but uh, the Commodore 64, especially when you're on a flat screen, uh, but even on standard monitor, has uh, what people call jail bars. The kind of like vertical jail bars that go down your screen that make your video output look less than ideal. That's right. Uh, So there is a a device that Frank sells over there at RetroRewind.ca called the Luma 64, Luma Fix 64, excuse me, um, which will, you, you remove a, a chip, I'm trying to remember, is it the PLA? What, what's the chip? What is the, oh no, it's the VIC chip, right? The video chip. The video chip is the VIC, yeah. Um, pull it out, put this thing in its place, and then put the chip back on the top of it, and it will clean up your image and your jail bars. So, right now that thing is only $25, but... Eric, I heard you have a secret about how they can save a little bit more money. Yep. You can put in the code PG10 to get 10% off. But you should also, when you go to the site, go to RetroRewind.ca slash PixelGuiden so that you're, you know, I don't know what happens. The little elves behind the website calculate things differently that way. I have no idea. It helps us get that much closer to our goal of quitting our jobs, Eric. (laughs) It does. And doing this full time is what it does. It really does. You are correct. So at checkout, um, use PG10 for 10% off at RetroRewind.ca. Thank you very much to our show sponsor. Perfect. And Eric, you got one more quick question to read here. Yep, let's do this one. Uh, this is from 48K Ram, uh, which is Josh Malone. Get the Josh batteries Malone. out. <laughs> he says, what game have you replayed the most? Define most for yourself. For me, it would probably be either Bionic Commando on NES or Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Also, mm. not counting arcade-style games that you can't actually complete. So he says kind of two things here. He says, define most for yourself, and then he says, don't count games you can't complete. So when I define games I have replayed the most, it could be either two things, in my opinion. One is games that you've beat and you come back to play again, even though you've already beat it. Yeah. Or it could just mean games that you've started over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have an answer on this one, Eric? I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm racking my brain because, I mean, he did kind of qualify games that you can kind of beat. But when I looked at my – because recently I logged into my Steam account and I looked at how many hours I spent on games. And I've played just a load of, like, Counter-Strike Global Offense. Yeah. Global Offensive. I mean, I looked on there and I was shocked. It was like 100 and, 175 hours or 200 hours or something. And I was like, oh, I can't believe I played that much. And, and then I thought back to the days when I worked at Prima and I played Unreal Tournament 
I we played that every night for four years. <laughs> All right. All right. So I mean, I, I got to think about that. But those aren't games you can complete. But man, I sunk so well, many hours into those. To me, it, it makes sense that they they might not be games that, for example, those are both online multiplayer games that you yes. They, the experience only changes because you have different people playing the same game. But you're not. It's not a game like a, I guess it's almost like a single player game you would have to play through. Right. For me is what that what that means. So for me, yeah. I think that would hands down just by the numbers have to be um probably Mega Man three. Oh, yeah, I, so you you've know, replayed that over and over oh, again. I've, I've beaten that many, many times, mostly when I was a kid, because yeah. you'd play the games you had over and over and over again. Yep. You know, I would say Mario three is probably up there as well. Although that's funny because Mario three, as a kid you just want to beat stuff. Your goal is to is to win. Yeah. So I've probably played Mario 3's, you know, the first couple levels and then and then the the eight world eight over and over and over again. But all yeah. the levels in between that you can skip by getting the warp whistles. Oh, that's I, right. Yeah, I, I've yeah. hardly played those at all. So I don't think I've I, to this day I don't even know if I've played Mario like levels six and seven. Right. I just cheat my way to the end and try to beat the game. It's, even though it's not cheating, it's whistles built into the game. But you know what I mean. Yep. Anyways. It's got to be something on the NES. I know that much. Gotcha. And and now that you were talking your way through that, I I, I do have an I think raid on Bungling Bay because it you can get to the end. There you go. And I've played that many many times to get to the end because it's very challenging. And so uh, yeah, I'm going to pick raid on Bungling Bay on the Commodore 64. Perfect. And those yeah. maps those maps don't change, right? I mean, you're literally playing the same maps over and over again. <laughs> the same map over and over again. Yeah. And yeah, you just you got to work your way through it. But yeah. And thus endeth quick questions for October. Well, for our first episode of October, we got three more <laughs> questions for next episode. That's true. That is true. <clears throat> All right. Let's go ahead and let people know how they can get a hold of us. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D-U-H-P-R-O-J-E-C-T. And you can reach Cody at oddball, which is at O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can also reach me, that's Tim, at Sanxion, and that's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we love any feedback. And also, please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show. We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every 
supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And this month we're getting cozy next to the fireplace. How did you enjoy Michael McDonald there? I loved it. I loved it. That was uh, fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to make these things cringier and cringier. I love the the box of broken dreams. It has, it has made its <laughs> debut into a song. Beautiful. Well, I mean, it, you started with the box of broken dreams. And we all figured out we had one as well. So Every, you know what? Everyone's got one. <laughs> everyone's got a box of broken dreams. <laughs> um, real quick, it's time for Eric and I to dive into some beers whilst talking about a little bit of errata and feedback from last month's episodes. Yes, indeed. We got errata up the wazoo. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Well, it's not all errata. It, there's some yeah, feedback, I think. I was going to say, something happens when Tim gets here and we either exaggerate or just blatantly lie about stuff. <laughs> Is that what we did? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe I'm we got too here. drunk. That's possible. That's probable. Yeah. Um, which, which of these... So Eric picked out a few beers. This is actually pretty cool because we haven't had matching beers uh, for a while. Of course, last month we did because we were all in person. Yep. But Eric picked out three beers and he was tr- telling me, come on down if you can to Elk Grove, which is about an hour away, yep. to pick up uh, a few beers that he had so that we could both enjoy them on the show together. But I just wasn't able to make it down there. So I just said, hey, 
take, take a picture of the beers to see if I can find them. And I found all three. That's so beautiful. we have matching beers. And I'll, hopefully they're all good because I have four of each. Yeah, so do I. So <laughs> do I. So I'll let you pick. You pick which one you want to start with. You know what? Let's start. Let's start with the, well, it's not the lowest alcohol, I don't think. <laughs> but let's, let's start slow. Okay. Um, I'm thinking about going with this Crooked Lane because it kind of ties in to what we've been doing this last month, which is hanging out up uh, and recording the show up here with you and Tim and myself up in Auburn, Grass yeah. Valley area. And Crooked Lane, you just happen to pick an Auburn brewery beer. Yep. Big, it's got a big sign right off of that main highway in Auburn, and uh, I drive by it all the time on my way to... I got a couple clients that are just past that. Yeah. And it looks like you uh, stuck with the October theme, right? Yep. For all three beers, they're kind of somewhat related to either Halloween or fall for Oktoberfest. And there you go. You just named the beer. This is called Oktoberfest, although they with spelled the, it with a K because with, of their intent tense like that. Yep. Oktoberfest Amber Lager, 5.2 ABV, brewed in Auburn, California. Um, there's, a, there's a description here, but I'm probably not going to... Eh, we don't need to talk about there's it. There's one thing that we do have to read. What's that? And Go this, ahead. And instead of saying cheers, we'll do this. So, yeah. Eric, yeah. keep in mind, for best flavor, pair with a pretzel. Prost! Prost! <sighs> I guess I could have thrown a, a bomb drop right there. Prost! all right that is actually quite nice this is very very smooth um for me auburn i'm sorry for me amber lagers are hit or miss they're either really almost got a little skunky and kind of bitter and not very good or they're smooth and and malty and perfect and this Mm -hmm. one is more the latter than the former you know what? Now that you said the skunky thing, I'm getting a little of that, which I didn't notice before. A little um, bit. It, it, it's going to be, that's the kind of hops they use. I, it, it's going to be, but this is like very malty, very kind of little hints of caramel. And I would say it's smooth, but it's got, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's got some hop notes too, some kind of um, little in your face hop notes at the same time. It does. It definitely does. And it's, it's got, I, I taste a little bit of updog. <laughs> Eric, what's up, dog? I don't know. What's up with you, dog? <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. The dad joke. <laughs> Got my soundboard working again. This is good. This is good. Life is good. Um, you know what's interesting? So, we are actually last weekend, uh, we went to the Grass Valley Beer Fest. Mm, delicious. Second Sounds annual. Good. We've been yeah. to 100% of them ever. Um, <clears throat> and obviously everyone's doing Oktoberfest, Martin's, uh, you know, dark fall beers. Martin's my favorite. Yep. And, um, but it was funny cause I'd never heard this before in my life, but almost, it felt like almost every single, there's probably 20 breweries there. Yeah. Almost every single one had a beer called Feist beer. Yeah. Feist beer. So I and just I've had, never heard of that before. Really? I just I, had a Sam Adams one. They have it in their like a uh, October pack, like, you know, uh-huh. the big box. They have a fest beer in there. Yep. It's like F-I-E-S-T. So I'm sure it means like festival or fight, but it's feist beer. Feist beer, yeah. And, um, and I get, I, I'm not entirely sure what it, I, I asked every vendor and they all said it was something a little different. Like one said, it's like a, 
you know, a Martzen style beer. Mm-hmm. One said it's like an amber lager, which is kind of a Martzen as well. Yep. I don't know. It's and and everyone was surprised to hear that somebody else was making it. So they all somehow the zeitgeist going around. Everyone made these beers. <clears throat> and even when I was at Total Wine today buying these beers, I saw a bunch of Feist beer on the shelf. So somehow yeah. it just showed up everywhere. The Sam Adams one is solid. Um, you know, Sam Adams is hit or miss too, but their 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 Feist beer is really good. It's got a very baby blue label on it. It's actually pretty good. Gotcha, gotcha. But let's well, rate gonna, this bad boy. Here's our rating system for for the month of October. I'm gonna throw it out there. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it, and hopefully, it arrived in one piece. But <laughs> we shipped Tim's Vectrix that we gave him last show. Yes. We shipped it to England. Yes, we did. And um, I don't, I'm not asking you to tell me. I don't need to know any information about it. But my guess is it cost $342 to ship to England in today's comment. So out of $342 to ship Tim's Vectrix to England, how many is this? <laughs> Three, out of $342 uh, ro- robbery dollars from, yes. from, from carriers, uh, I, man, I'm, I really, really like this one, like a lot. I'm going to give it 310 Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I, lo- I, I do, love it. This I do. Is, I, this is my jam. This is right up my alley. Yeah, I mean, I like the style of beer, and I'd say this is probably a little bit above average. Yeah, but it's always hard because these are you know amber loggers or I guess amber loggers, like you said, they can get skunky. But yeah, um, I'll give it two seventy six, which is still still quite high. It's very nice, very nice. Yeah. I'd say this is my probably my favorite crooked lean crooked lane beer i've had because they typically don't hit me that amazing yeah um but this they is have, probably my well, favorite one they have a lot of beers i'll give them that they have a lot of different types of beer and a lot of different and i've had two or three really good ones and that's about it like the rest mm. are just kind of mediocre gotcha cool yeah their biggest one is the biggest one is a hazy called one two punch and do you and like I, that one it's a, i'd say it's a, a solid average hazy mm. um I like this one a little better. So really quick, I'll start off with a little <laughs> bit of my errata. Yeah. Uh, this is actually Tim's errata, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him out on it. Um, and we already pointed it out, but we have to point out. So last show, Tim said that Tokyo, Audio, Tokyo Autobahn was a good 3DO game, and it was not. <laughs> that is incorrect. Factually yeah. incorrect. I kind of wonder so, if he was drunk when he played that, when he picked it. <laughs> well, that, made, that probably made it better. Yeah, that's, the <laughs> case. that's what I mean. That's what I yeah. mean. Like maybe he was drunk. I was like, "This game is great." I can't do the English accent. That, was that you trying? <laughs> no, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, that, that sounds like a California. What's, what's the, what part of England is that? Is that where they go? No, dude, this game is great. <laughs> I was doing Tim, but using a an American accent. Okay, that's very accurate. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also, I, I, the only way that game is good is if someone is drunk. So it was really bad. Like the second really game, bad. the second game I enjoyed, <laughs> even though it was bad, I could enjoy it. That first game was just not enjoyable at all. Right. Um, I also want to apologize both. And I, I was able to fix it a little bit partway through, but both episodes of pixel guide in last month, for whatever reason, actually I figured out the reasons, but the audio mix sucked. It stunk. I did listen so, to him in the car, and you did go back and fix it, and it did make it a lot better. But I did still get a lot of uh, ducking in and ducking out on stuff. Um, got some crackly mics. We had yep. Tim's volume going all over the place, and I've since figured out why it all happened. 
I'll blame it on the fact that we were live and we've never done three live like that with Tim. Sure. But it's not the case. But anyways, apologize for that. Also, in a similar vein to the first one, I also was talking about the 3DO and how we played Demolition Man with the light gun and how I enjoyed it. And I also wanted to give honorable mentions to other light gun games such as Mad Dog McCree. Yeah. I have since actually put Mad Dog McCree on the 3DO in my my 3DO and played it. And it is a dog turd, Eric. It is absolutely (laughs) terrible. Unplayable. Wow. So that was also errata. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I remember listening to uh, ARG Presents with uh, with uh, Air, Amigo Aaron and uh, Brent, and they they had mentioned Mad Dog McCree. I've never played it. I don't even think I've ever seen it. Um, I remember. So Matt, that was a, a light gun game that was. They had the uh, this full huge um, projection TV. It must have been like eighty five inches diagonal yeah. projection TV, and then there was like a three foot gap to where the, the guns were. Like it took up the size of like eight arcade machines. These gotcha. things were ginormous in the arcades. Yeah, and um, I think they had a rifle that you'd actually put in the holster and you pull out of the holster to play the game. And I'm sure those played well. I mean, they were laser disc games. I'm sure. Yeah, but oh my gosh. I, I didn't know when to shoot or or when I did shoot, I had to wait three seconds to see if I shoot, shot anything. And then the guy either pretended to die or didn't pretend to die. And then the mortician guy would tell me I have three lives left. And I just couldn't tell what was going on. Like, it was laughably bad. Yeah. So, uh, you want to take Tim's? Yep. So, Tim says, uh, Henrik Lulfold. Got that right, right? Uh, it sounds good to me. Uh, reached out on Twitter to me and said, loved the U.S. podcasts. Hope you had a great trip, and I hope my tiny monthly contribution to the show helped a little with expenses. So it did. With, without revealing too much, we we really we really burned through some cash to like just make <laughs> Tim's trip memorable, um, as well as got, got him the Vectrex. That was the big the big deal. We've been wanting to get Woo. Tim a Vectrex for a long time. And then we bought like goodies, we bought beer, we bought a meal, we bought, we, we, that all, that money made it possible. So, and it wasn't a tiny, your, your, your contribution is not a tiny monthly contribution. It make it's, it's huge for us because it, we, we're pretty conservative with the money. So we don't spend it willy nilly every month. We just pay the bills. So we, we had quite a little bit, a little nest egg in there that we were able to make Tim's trip pretty memorable. So we appreciate all the Patreon subscribers for that. And I think it made two very good and memorable shows. Agreed. Yeah. So that was cool. a lot of fun. So <clears throat> here's mine. So this, this happened the other uh, two days ago. I was in my car listening to our show. And uh, I, I was talking about Pop Full Mail. And I was like, oh, I don't even know why I started playing this. But I did. And I loved the game and blah, blah, blah. The truth is I completely lied. Well, I didn't lie. I forgot. Um, C64J on the Discord had recommended Popful Mail for our women lead character show. Um, And I think that's, I was like, oh, Popful Mail on the Sega CD. I've never heard of that. So I I threw it in. And that that is who I heard this from. There you Um, go. So I want to give him credit. Uh, So C64J, thank you very much. Love it. I would love to see, uh, we should probably throw that back on the Discord and see if people have any ideas for games we should play, Battle of the Systems or, or otherwise. That'd be, we haven't done that in a long time. No, we should. There's a lot of great ideas on the Discord. And by the way, if you are listening and you want to be in on our Discord, it's an amazing place with tons of conversations, not only in our Pixel Gaiden area, but 
it's we're part of the Amigos retro gaming network. And so you get access to all of their discord channels in there. And there's just if you if you want to get involved with a very friendly community, just all you got to do is is uh, give us money <laughs> and you can get access to the discord. <laughs> yeah, true. Just give us money. Just, just give us the um, just Patreon. Subscribe to us on Patreon and you'll get $3, access to every dollar or more tier for the yep. uh the patreon there so correct yep and then the last thing i just want to point out is um after all my hard work making these amazing patreon songs in my humble opinion eric you do you work hard at it the last <clears throat> month got the most um comments compliments on on this being their favorite patreon song and of course one <laughs> where i just pulled out an acoustic guitar threw something together in like five minutes and then we all screamed into a microphone names and so um the best laid plans for about a week after that episode or for a week <laughs> after we recorded it i was like humming it in my head so and you you wrote the song i mean it, you get all the credit i mean we me and tim were just jabba john in the back i guess i should be excited because i that's the first one i literally actually played an instrument on so there yeah. we go very exciting um, the one thing I do want to point out is, and I forgot to do it again this time, but I need to switch up the order of these names a bit so we don't always start with uh, Henrik Lofel and end <laughs> with the same. Yeah, no, we're it's end with the same mix people. it up, you know. Yep, absolutely. Hey guys, how about we take a little break, and check with our friend over the pond? That's right, it's tea time with Tim. Hi everyone and welcome to Tea Time with Tim. This is my first episode since getting back from California. I had an amazing time over there but I think you've probably heard enough about this on the previous two episodes. So I thought this time I would try something a little bit different and just do uh, something off the cuff and a bit more random. For this episode I thought I'd just grab a couple of random magazines so bear with me a second and I'll just grab them. So the very first one I've picked up is a copy of PCG, that's Personal Computer Games. And this one is from December 1984. And I've kind of gone the other end of the 8-bit scale. And this is one of the last editions of Zap64, I think. And this one is November 1992. So let's start off with Personal Computing Games, or PCG. This is... Obviously, like I said, an early magazine. I love PCG. They do lots of different, cover all the different formats. So it's not just a single format like Zip, Zap64. This is one of my favourite magazines, I think, from, from back in the day because they cover all the different formats. And this is quite an early one. So this one doesn't have the cover on it, unfortunately. So I'm not sure what the cover picture was from this. But just looking on the on the first first page that I've got, and we've got um, there's quite a few adverts at the beginning of it. So this first one is we've got uh, Fort Apocalypse and Blue Max for the Atari and C64. And over here, this uh, software was published by a company called US Gold, and this, these are actually SinSoft publications i'm sure you're probably familiar with blue max and fort apocalypse so there's some nice cover shots on there there's also zaxon and sentinel that they've got adverts for as well next page we've got manic miner by software projects i'm sure you're all familiar with manic miner hopefully by now and that apparently so it says here it's available on the zx spectrum commodore 64 dragon bbc amstrad and oric atmos and then it says also now available for the msx 
that's that very familiar the newer style cover of manic minor the one with the sort of like the monster with his teeth bearing tongue out and you just see minor willie's boot uh, walking off the page now there's another one here for death pit <laughs> this is an interesting one this is from Jarrell uh, Jarrell Software I don't really remember that one I wonder if that actually got released let me pause it and I'll just do a quick Google for that yes I was right uh, this one didn't actually get a release so I'm looking on the world of spectrum and this is the comment it said the game was advertised quite extensively in 1985 by Jarrell and was completed but considered not good enough for release an article in issue 25 of crash remarked although halfway through the project there was a moment when it looked like the game might make a commercial release it didn't come up to scratch so the programmer was Clive Townsend. However, he did use some of these routines that was used in the game for programming Saboteur. So that can't all be bad, can it? So we got Saboteur out of Death Pit in the end. Cool, so we're only a couple of pages in and we're learning stuff already. So Death Pit never got released. So the next one is an advert for Elite from Acorn Soft. I'm sure you're all familiar with that one. So that's a, that's a nice advert. Then we've got Swag for the Commodore 64 and that's not the Southwest Amiga group it's a game called Swag and that's done by Micromania apparently it's the ultimate arcade adventure and came out on cassette for 8.95 and on disc for the bargain price of 10.95 that was pretty good then there's an advert for i think it must be one of these big mail order clubs that we had over here like a software club so you could choose like five or six games and pay a reduced price for all those games but then you had to order another game each month at full price um, so they kind of got you out either way so you had to do like a 12 month subscription then there's another advert for eureka which is by ian livingstone this was like a i think it was like a, an adventure game with moving graphics and it was like a quiz um so you had to complete the complete the whole game and you could win twenty five thousand pounds if you complete it you were the first person to complete it next one is for firebird software um, and that has big double paid spread for games for £2.50 and these were Mr Freeze, Viking Raiders and Duck uh, so what we got uh, oh okay here we go so look out for these games in the Firebird Silver Range as selected in high street stores so on the spectrum there's the Wild Bunch, Booty which is absolutely brilliant Mr Freeze, Terror Force, Viking Raiders menace exodus run baby run and crazy caverns then on the commodore 64 we've got booty mr freeze exodus headache and xylu um, and then vic 20 we've got snake bite and mickey the bricky snake bites an absolutely brilliant game on this on the vic then we've got another advert so we're still what's that five pages in we're still doing adverts uh, this is one of my favorite games i don't think i ever actually played this really on the commodore 64 i must give it a try one day but i've definitely played it on the spectrum and that's tornado low level if you've never played that on the specy it's kind of like a 3d flying type of game i would definitely recommend that it's not it's an isometric 3d it's not like a flight simulator you see the the tornado it's in kind of like monochromatic graphics but 
definitely worth a look that one yeah and this is advertising it on the commodore 64 weirdly again another one which is kind of at like an odd price seven pound 90 i don't remember any games of it really being seven pound 90 but there we go next advert is this one i remember so much and Tarset had some brilliant games on the commodore 64 back in the early days um so they've got the games like poster paster i've got the disc for that somewhere seaside special jamming bozo's night out pipeline which they also did super pipeline as well and gyropod uh, they were some great games and again those were again a bit of a weird price i don't know what's going on was this 1984 weird pricing so cassette was six pound 90 and disc a bargain price of 9.99 but then again if you had a disc drive back then in 1984 you were probably looking at about 300 pound for the disc drive so next couple of pages we've got an advert for i think it's caesar the cat by mirasoft um then we get into the notice board so we've got things like readers letters and that sort of stuff and then there's buzz which is like the news so some of the highlights is uh auric turn to europe um so i'm guessing that's talking about the auric computer going coming out in europe and then there's a keyboard package uh, by Sinclair it says no it's not a QL for midgets it's a Clive Sinclair's new uh, yes yeah, Sir Clive's new machine called the Spectrum Plus plus what not a lot really inside the sleek back case sleek black casing beats a good old-fashioned Spectrum running good old-fashioned uh, Spectrum software the obvious difference between this and previous Spectrums is the keyboard. Well, yeah, obviously. So it's saying here the Spectrum Plus costs 179.95. The Spectrum 48K costs 129.95. Buyers will have to ask themselves whether they really want to spend the extra £50 for the Spectrum Plus keyboard and free software. Uh, now this I mentioned on a, I think on our last episode either ninety I think it was ninety one when I uh, gave Cody a Spectrum Plus I brought that over from the UK over to California and the alternative is to buy the old Spectrum and spend fifty pound on a better keyboard um, from an independent supplier okay so now that's not what I was talking about I was talking about that eventually they did a uh, an upgrade so you could uh, you could buy the empty Spectrum Plus casing and put Put your 48k just directly into it if you so wished oh and here's another one uh, the imagine name was to be used by ocean because ocean bought out um the imagine rights when they were when when imagine went bust famously uh, when they were producing bandersnatch which was a game that really just cost them their whole business really uh, they put so much effort into that and spending so much money on adverts and other bits and pieces and not actually completing the game although i think it did originally eventually should i say get a release on the amiga i can't remember what it was called now but i think it did actually eventually get a release on the amiga uh so they're talking about new release games here now so we've got talking about oh you've heard all about you've heard the record now and seen the move me movie now you can play the computer game ghostbusters the game of the smash hit us film is now available from activision on the c64 spectrum msx at 10.99 9.99 and 11.99 respectively so what's the cheapest one so they say uh the c64 which was 10.99 spectrum 10 9.99 and 11.99 for the msx version why would you want to pay more for the msx 
it's just very much akin to the Spectrum version. Oh, well, anyway, um, I don't remember the price differences like that. Uh, some more games for the MSX. Mr. Micro have converted five of their titles to run on MSX machines. So we've got Crazy Golf, Humphrey, Cubit, Zakil Wood and Punchy. I think I remember some of those. And again, they're £6.90. I thought Mr. Micro, I thought they were a budget title, but obviously not. And then there's some Games Workshop games. Uh, so War Games... Uh, Games Workshop, the people who first introduced role-playing board games, Dragons, are moving into the computer games market. Their first releases, Battle Cars and D-Day, should be in the shops now, both for the Spectrum and Commodore 64, at £7.95. Now, there we go. That's a rounded-off price. £7.95. That's better. None of this £7.90 rubbish. And five pence will, makes all the difference. OK, moving on. So there's another advert. International Soccer for for the Commodore 64 by Commodore. Ah, here we go. This is interesting. Right. Personal Computer Games Top 50 as of printed in December 1984. So what do you reckon number one is? Yes, that's right. It's Daily Thompson's Decathlon by Ocean. And they're giving kind of like a percentage of sales. And it's looking like the Spectrum has vastly outsold the Commodore 64 on that one, which is no surprise given the timing. Uh, Sherlock by Melbourne House. That was all Spectrum is number two. Uh, Zaxxon uh, by US Gold, and that at that time was only the Commodore 64 version. Uh, so that was number three. Uh, number four, which is an absolute classic, which is Beachhead. And surprisingly, that was, again, the Spectrum outselling the Commodore 64 on that one. Uh, Avalon uh, by Hewson. Again, that's only a Spectrum release at the time. And then, of course, number six is Elite by Acon Soft. And again, at that time, it was only the BBC version available. None of the other conversions had actually been released. Uh, then we had the strangely named Cockatoni Wilf at number seven. And again, Spectrum and C64 Spectrum faring a bit better than the c64 sales but not they're a bit closer uh number eight the aforementioned international soccer by commodore which only ever came on cartridge i think i don't think there was or was there a tape version can't remember maybe there was uh but most common on the commodore 64 for, for being a cartridge that came with a lot of the computers in the early days uh next one at number nine is wanted monty mole by gremlin graphics again no that's a real no-brainer most people bought that one on the spectrum the commodore 64 version of that stunk uh number 10 the last one is full throttle by micro mega which was a bike racing game from memory uh so that was interesting wasn't it um then we've got another another advert for one of my favorite games which is wheelie um by microsphere and again another another specky game and then of course there's school days which is another classic and sky ranger i don't know whether i actually played that from microsphere interesting uh, then we have uh, more of the buzz section uh with whispering horace who's kind of like a an industry gossip in uh, this particular one kind of like delves into all the gossip of the industry but it doesn't look like there's anything particularly juicy there going on at the moment bite back uh, which we which is another section in this magazine um which is again about like readers letters that sort of thing what else have we got here another advert for sterling software um and they apparently they create sterling games of course they do and they've got a game of dam busters 
country cottages dear me <laughs> and uh, assignment east berlin oh and of course yes they created orpheus as well that's a game i think i've played a couple of times oh yeah a lovely colorful glossy advert for tapper on the commodore 64 and spectrum uh, so there's some nice ones there okay i think we've been through a few pages on the um cmvg let's have a quick look at zap because we're 15 minutes in already we will return after this quick music break Wow, what a tune. That was Rob Hubbard's tune from Thundercats. Now back to Tim. Uh, so Zap64, this one's probably going to be a lot quicker because there's n- not a lot of pages in this one. Um, Zap64 was really thinning out by, uh, what was this? This was 1992. So we're really kind of like towards the end of the uh, the C64 lifespan. At that time, of course, as we know, it's completely going mega mega strong at the moment and probably one of the strongest formats out there at the minute actually in terms of releases first page we've got an advert for the action replay the ultimate cartridge comes of age so what version is this uh so this is the six so that's the one i've got so apparently it's got the turbo loader infinite lives generator prof machine code editor sprite control freezer utility disc copy oh the list goes on what a wonderful item that is and that was for the bargain price of 34 pounds and 99 pence and they were post free so games so they're doing a quick preview of what they're what's on the mega tape so this came with a a tape and it's looking like on here we had probably demos or maybe be full versions i don't know silkworm for the commodore 64 that's a brilliant game ninja warriors and a public domain game called halax hmm please let me know if you've ever played halax before i don't think i've ever heard of that one and yes someone had actually <laughs> taken out the cassette inlay um for that one as well because it was printed inside the magazine what else was on here breakdown by frederick bloom okay yeah so let's have a look what have we got in the news here anything really oh we've got lemmings uh, coming out on the commodore 64 looks like something like the virtual reality uh, machines or could that have been at that time 1992 i suppose it would have been uh, talking about oceans christmas crackers three brand new full price titles for christmas isn't bad for a company who claimed that Adam's Family was definitely their last ever Commodore 64 release. Ah, okay. Ocean have just announced the imminent arrival of Cool World, a platform caper, lethal weapon, and WWF European Rampage. Wow. They're sure to be smash sellers on the Commodore 64 at the time. What else have we got here? Uh, Oh, and uh, there's a chart rundown here as well. Interesting. Okay. So what were we this was november 1992 so according to the elspa charts in association with penguin which is a chocolate bar over here in the uk we've got arnie at number one by zeppelin at three pound 99 pence 
and what a surprise again pretty much everything in the top 10 is all budget releases because that's pretty much all there was then so golden axe which is a re-release uh, by tronics which is master tronics at the time uh <laughs> Graham Sunes Soccer by Zeppelin. Rainbow Islands uh, on the Hit Squad, £3.99. Italia 90, again a re release by Tronics or Master Tronic, £3.99. The brilliant Lotus Turbo Challenge, £3.99 by GBH. F-16 Combat Pilot by Action 16 at number 7. Again, £3.99. One of the amazing fun school games. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Um, It's kind of like an educational release by Europress. And that came out on all the 8-bits and lots of 16-bits as well. In fact, some of those I um, even got Danica to play not too long back on the Amiga, I think. Uh, But that was the over-8s version on Hit Squad for £3.99. So it's an excuse for for your mum or your dad to get you a game because they've got one on budget match of the day by zeppelin premier £10.99 oh okay zeppelin were a budget label but obviously they did a full release and creatures by kicks what a brilliant game creatures is at £3.99 there you go that's the top 10 on the commodore 64 in 1992 november uh so we've got our first review and we've got reckless rufus okay again this is a budget game by alternative at £3.99 on cassette how can i describe this what do they say so it's a puzzler looks quite good actually some hints back to uh i don't know boulder dash in there so it could be something similar like that but yeah, it didn't get a too bad review depending on what you kind of can take from the reviews back then depends i guess how much money they were paid of course that's not really what happened but yeah anyway those thoughts are my own uh, so this one got an overall of 84 percent so that what was the highest rated there you go hookability grabs you by the throat and refuses to let you go 91 percent. so it's obviously they reckon that's quite a an addictive game that might be one to actually worth have a look at i don't think i've ever played reckless rufus so apparently that came out by alternative on cassette at three pound 99 so some more very quick mini reviews hudson hawk uh, they must have paid for that review with an 86 because I remember that game was absolute trash. But anyway, they gave that an overall of 86%. Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, that was a re-review of the UK Gold Kicks label. Uh, that got 34%. What else have we got? Have we got any classics on here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> re-release of Cobra on the Commodore 64 by Ocean and Hit Squad. Overall, 13%. I think that's higher than Zap originally gave it. Didn't they give it like 8% or something? That's most generous. Batman the Movie, they gave that one 83%. And the Blues Brothers, which is a brilliant game on the Commodore 64, a good platformer. And again, that gave a, they gave that an overall uh, 93. Uh, so re-release of Dam Busters as well, which is one I played so much on the Commodore 64. Brilliant game. Uh, but only one you really want to do on disc. Don't go anywhere near that on tape. And they gave that... 72 yeah it goes on oh there's a re-release of rambo first blood part two uh which if you don't know it's probably worth loading 
even just for the loading music on that some um, absolute masterpiece by martin galway on that on uh, rambo first blood part two and the game wasn't too bad either they gave that a 90 percent. oh and here we go uh, running slightly off topic and we've got an advert for silica shop which is, or silica systems which is a famous computer chain store over in the uk so they had two shops in london one in sidcup um, which is in kent and they've got the Commodore Amiga 600, which is the Lemmings pack, which I think from memory is the one that Vicky Pixel Vixen first got, the Amiga 600 Lemmings pack. And that was for the princely sum of £299, including VAT. Then they also had one that I've got here, uh, which is the Wild, Weird and Wicked pack. I've got that box. And then they did the Epic Pack, which was the hard drive where you got a 20 meg hard drive with it. And that was £499. Wow. An Amiga 600. Meant to be a budget machine. Uh, £499 with a hard drive. Wow. That's expensive. Then they did the A500 Plus, which to my view was probably the better machine to have at the time because it was more expandable apart from the IDE internally. But that was £299. And then they've got a very small, tiny advert for the CDTV, the Amiga CDTV, and it just says, call for prices. What else have they got? Oh, the 10 star. Oh, no, this is the Action Games pack and not the 10 star pack. What have we got? Asterix, Chess Player, Driving Force, Live and Let Die, Onslaught, Pipe Mania, Rick Dangerous, Rock and Roll, Squeak and Trivial Pursuit. All of that apparently gives you a total value of £369 and you're getting that included with every single Amiga that you buy from them. Right, next, what have we got? More reviews. Then we've got some mail order adverts for Software City. Um, what, were their, what were their prices like at the time? Well, they had plenty of budget titles. Um, anything really mentionable there? Chuck Rock. Uh, which was seven ninety nine on cassette and ten ninety nine on disc. Oh, they were quite competitive on their disc prices. Actually, normally what the shop I used to work in, we used to charge fifteen quid for a disc game. But some of them were obviously a bit cheaper. Yeah, nothing really to write home about there. Uh, then they've got some PD stuff, so public domain, uh, which was really popular back in the 90s. So things like demos and font discs and all that sort of stuff um, they used to do on the Amiga. So I guess most of this on the Commodore 64 at the time were, were demos. Um, so, let, let's, so there's a top... Yeah, top 10 demos from public domain demos. So we've got Dutch Breeze by Black Mail. Brutality by Light, Elysian by Orico, uh, Wonderland 8 by Sensor Design, and followed by Wonderland 9 by Sensor Design, Legoland 2 by Fairlight, Legacy 2 by Flash Inc., Legoland by Fairlight, Digital Delight by Panoramic Design, and Cackle and Chico by Bonsai. So there, there you go, there's some demos to look out for. I I might have seen one or two of those in passing in my time, but can't actually remember any of those off the top of my head. Scoot on through. Oh, they've got a competition uh, for Bullseye, which was a popular TV program over here. Okay, so see if you can answer these questions. You won't win anything, but um, a free feeling of smugness if you can answer these ones. Which 70s rock and roll group had hits with Duke of Earl, Daddy Cool, Blue Moon and Boys from New York City. Boom, boom, boom. 
question two, which is about fashion. What do tailors and seamstresses call the little tucks they sew into garments to make them fit more snugly? Okay, and question three, which is a words question. Which word means to dash quickly from one place to another? And there's a clue. It's a four letter word beginning with D. Anyway, so if you can get those and if you can find yourself a time machine and go back to November 1992, you can send those into Zap Europress Impact Ludlow Shropshire SY81JW and entries need to be in by the 30th of November. Um, right let's move on quickly oh we've got some uh, high scores here with the score lord um some more adverts some more reviews international tennis well there's graham sunes soccer which apparently was num what was that number six i think in the charts bully sporting darts so that's obviously a tie-in with that one i don't think i ever played that game the original bullseye wasn't too bad actually review of frankenstein on the commodore 64 that's by zeppelin another budget title that's 66 percent uh dizzy prince of yoke folk uh 76 percent on that one so they quite like that one uh, it's a dizzy game so always popular match of the day 59 percent boo so obviously just a tie-in on that one uh blue baron um that looks actually quite good i think i i remember that one i need to check that one out they only give that 54 percent, but that looks quite a good game that's about it there we go so that's two magazines one early magazine covering some early 8-bit stuff and then kind of like the other end of the scale covering the commodore 64 later releases uh with zap magazine okay hope you enjoyed that one and i'll catch you on the next one all right let's hop on in and uh let people know what's up in the news First up in the news, Eric, did you know that Google Stadio is officially going to shut down and next year all purchase, purchases <laughs> are going to be refunded? Which, I yeah, I did hear this and I will give Google credit that at least they're giving refunds for everything. If they didn't, that would be a travesty. Um, but I'm not surprised. No one I know uses Google Stadia. No one I even know on Twitter, I think... I think maybe a couple of people I know dabbled in it, but I never heard from them after that. Like they don't use it consistently. Um, I always feel bad for when services like this shut down um, because people have invested in it. And yeah, I feel bad for the consumers. Not I don't feel bad for Google. Not at all. Not at all. I don't feel bad for for Google at all. But the consumers that played it and maybe had a good experience with it, and then were like, "Oh, I like this," and they sunk money into it and time and made friends on it because it does have multiplayer games and stuff. Now it's just going to shut down. Yeah. It's going to shut down and, on January 18th. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I mean, it always breaks my heart to hear this kind of stuff because I'm also not going to listen. Whenever something like this happens, like the Ouya or the Google stadia or whatever, we shouldn't be too critical of the companies. They're trying to push the limits. Oh yeah. The they're only not, way we're, they're trying yeah, to make the only, money. I mean, they're not failing on purpose. No, exactly. They, but, but also like with this, with Stadia, which was uh, basically like remote gaming, you know, where you're playing on their servers and you're just getting the screen updates. Yeah. Um, 
you, they're pushing the limits of gaming to give you new stuff. And remember, every failure is a success in a way because you tried it, you didn't, it didn't work out right. And now some, someday there'll be something better in the same vein. So if you're not pushing the limits, you're just stagnant. You're just doing the same thing over and over again. So I applaud companies that at least try to do it. But there, there is a nasty downside when you don't have physical copies of your games and you lose them. Now, at least Google's refunding the money. But yeah. anyway, that's my that two was, cents on it. That was deep, Deepak Chopra. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, you got this next one, Slime Rancher 2. What on earth is that? I don't know. <clears throat> and I, I don't know what it is. But I read an article that this thing was blowing up. Really? That, that there are like like what we're looking at the Steam page right now, and it's uh, the rating is all reviews are overwhelmingly positive, with almost ten thousand reviews for a game that hasn't um, come out yet. No, it's out. Well, it's an early access game. You early can download access. it. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, it it looks like a first person shooter, but you're not really. It's Look, a very colorful world, kind of cartoony. Um, it but you have a gun that's more like a vacuum. Yeah, like a Splatoon kind of uh, aesthetic vibe to it, but you're right, it's not Splatoon, it's something else. Yeah, um, so you're kind of like sucking up, like you, you, your gun's almost like a vacuum and you're sucking up these slimes and I think you do something with them. <laughs> it's, it's an, <laughs> it looks intriguing and I've been meaning to just dig into it and watch more videos to see. I, I'm always intrigued when games get super high, good ratings and a lot of like uh, hype to them, you know what I mean? Um and this one looks kind of weird and interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm just always looking for games that are a little bit off the beaten path that aren't the same as everything else. And this, now, well, now I'm curious to see the, the first, the first Slime Rancher. Here it is. Yep, the first Slime Rancher came out in 2017, August 1st, 2017. And yep, the reviews on bucks. the reviews on that one overwhelmingly positive, 86,660. Yep, and and I assume Cody that you've never heard of this, right? You know, I, I want to say it's it's a very generic sounding name, but I want to say I have heard of it. Okay, but I could also, you know, there's so I've many games out it. now. I've never heard of it, and it just flashed on the screen here. Three million copies of this, and I've never heard of it until the second version came out, and I was it was all over Twitter. Like everyone's like, "Oh, Slime Rancher Two is finally out! It's amazing! It's early access!" And I love this game. Well, and, you can get excited. You can get excited about it, Eric, or else you can go play the reason they're excited about it, which is called Slime Rancher, the first one. That's true. And you can do yeah. that right now for nineteen ninety nine. That's true. Yep. But it anyway, does, I, I I just wanted to throw that out. Um, it's not even retro related because it's not really a retro game, but I just want to keep people informed on the new stuff. Fun too, stuff. So. Heck yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's that. I don't disagree. You want to oh, be Tim for me? Tim. What'd you say? I said, do you want to be Tim for me on this one? You'll probably have a better understanding of what this is because I have not yeah. looked into it. I know you. I think I. I think you have. <laughs> yep. So I've, I have looked into this, but let, let's let's. I'm going to read what Tim wrote here. It's not a game, but needs a special mention and a review when I get my copy. Gregory Nasu. I'm going to say Nasu or Naku. N A C U. And I've, I've been following him on Twitter forever. We we've had great conversations about Commerce 64 stuff. But anyway has now released his new C64 OS that has been in development for a few years. This is a new operating system expansion for your Commodore 64 that gives it a whole new set of sophisticated tools with a powerful and unified user interface with the aim to make the C64 feel fast and useful in the modern world. 
Um, which is what we all, which is what we all bought Commodore sixty fours to do. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm just being a little, little ribby. Being cheeky. Being cheeky. Right. That's the word. I like it. Um, his, so his website is c64os.com. Uh, on Twitter, he's Greg Naku, which is Greg and N A C U. Um, I've seen this. I've watched videos of it, and I am interested in it. Um, I, I, I'm on the fence whether I'll get it because you can only get the physical copy from him. You can't just download it. Hmm. Um, so you'd get the SD card, you get the manual, you get all the stuff, which is cool, but that's great. But you have to have an SD two IEC to run this. You, that's the only thing it'll run with. Yeah. But you um, do somewhere. Uh, I do have one somewhere, but I never use it because I have the ultimate 64. And then you can use other drives, real drives. You can use ultimate 64 or ultimate 1541. They'll show up as different drives, but it has to boot from the SD two IEC. It has huh. to, or I think the, there's one other device, which I actually do have one buried around here somewhere. Um, it, it, it's an older device. I think it's the C64 IDE drive. Um, I, I, this looks amazing, and it's really cool, and a lot of work went into it. But I do, with these things, kind of take a wait-and-see approach. I want to see if there's any cool utilities that come out for it, any new games that are built into the C64 OS. Um I I will probably end up getting this eventually, but I've been just so busy lately. I'm not um, I, I'm not I'm not going to really probably jump into it right away. But I say I think probably within six months I'll probably grab this and just check it out. Do you say how much it's selling for? I, I I don't I did look into it. Um, I want to say um, and this is off the top of my head. I'm, Actually, no, I'm, here it is. I apologize. Hey. Okay, good, good, good. Because I'll butcher this for sure. Yep. So here um, you go. The wait is over. C64 OS version 1.0 is now available. It's got a nice looking, one of the more modern wedge shaped C64s and some screenshots. And if yep. I click on order C64 OS now, it yep. tells me, give me your money. Uh, PayPal, you can buy it on a 16 MB system card, the starter bundle. And there you go. Uh, 60 so Canadian. 60 Canadian, which is, I don't know, 42 American, something like that. Yeah. So there you go. And then there's a 64 meg one, and it comes with more doodads and whatnots, and it's oh, 64 the, bucks. The standard bundle bundle adds five Canadian dollars, but it's temporarily out of stock. Yep. So why wouldn't you just do that one if you're really trying to save like yep. four bucks? Very, very cool, and I appreciate people's hard work in this. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think one day I will get it because I'm I'm really geeky into this kind of stuff. But for now, I've been just so busy the last couple of months, I haven't had time to, to to check stuff like that out. I don't have a link or anything here, but I'm sure you've seen it and we've talked about yeah. it. But Return yeah. to Monkey Island has officially released and everybody in the retro gaming world has played it or started and, playing it, except for us. I have not. And, and raving about it. I just heard a podcast today in the car where they said it was possibly the best in the whole series. I mean, so, you would think... A, it, You've got the same writers, so as long as the humor and everything's there, you would think that at this point they would have gotten yeah. you know years and years of of information from like what frustrates people about the games and what puzzles make sense and don't make sense. So at this point, yeah. it's probably just a thoroughly enjoyable game. Yep, I mean, uh, and that's what I heard in this podcast. They did they did talk about the kind of downsides to it, which there weren't very many, and they were. Uh, probably kind of uh, objective to to your experience with it, but they said you. One key thing is they said you do not need to have played the old ones to enjoy this new one. 
So it's kind of, you can just jump right into this one if you've never played the old ones. I'm sure they have some, uh, some fan service in there. Oh, they do, but it's, it's kind of w- explained well enough to make it so you, you don't have to if you've never played Monkey Island. Cool. Um, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things so far, so I'm pretty happy about that. Does it... uh, oh, one bad thing I've heard, though. Huh? Okay. <laughs> and I'm not going to spoil it, but they said the ending, like a lot of people do not like the ending of the game. Ooh. So. Ooh, well, now I'm more intrigued. Yeah, and some people do like it, but some people do not. So that's it's kind of, and I think that's great. That's uh, that 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 kind of thing gives more hype to the game, and I hope it sells well. Does it have some cool calypso music at the beginning? That's the important mm. question. I do not know. I so, no, it's funny. Know. You and I have talked about this about like soundtracks for games and like music and stuff, and we both love video game music and appreciate certain yeah. songs and whatever. But we do it. We we both agree that it's like while we're playing the game, we're not going to like turn that on. No. And listen to it. I don't do that. I've never done that. I've never played video game music in my regular life, like driving in the car. Yeah. The theme song, the intro theme song, the little Calypso tune from Monkey Island is the one song that I love so much that I just turned it on to hear it. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like chill, upbeat, but like mysterious by, I don't know what it is, but I absolutely love it. Yeah. And I want more of that. Excellent. Um, We got one here game called pom pom uh this is a, a a modern retro type release um coming out for the switch and it is uh, a game that looks a lot like a lost super nes platformer according to nintendolife.com um so again another a new game that is retro inspired uh it says inspiration is clear i mean so if you watch this eric it's interesting um Wow, it really does look like a it. You know what? You know what it looks like to me. The colors and the and even the graphics, like those little plungers you jump on, it looks like a PlayStation platformer, two D platformer. Almost, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I feel like a lot of the art looks very much like uh, Super Mario World. Okay, but then other people are saying there's like hints to like Kirby's Dream Land or even Mega Man X. Uh, but what's interesting is the gameplay is going to surprise you. You're, you see the little um, cursor moving around. Yeah. I believe the hamster in this game, Pom Pom, is kind of automatically moving forward, and you basically are putting platforms and different things underneath him to keep him moving. Keep him afloat. Interesting. That's Uh, an interesting mechanic. I like that. Yeah, apparently comes out on October 25th, so uh, just 10 days after you guys are listening to this episode. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I really just meant the color palette. It looks like the what was that carnival game on a uh, PlayStation One? The um, oh yeah 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 um, the sh- the shmup. Yeah, the shmup exactly. Yeah yeah. Um, oh, I love the, that the game. The one where you throw uh, in the pies, like you have the guy with the arms. Harmful throwing park. The pies. Yeah, harmful park. It looks that the colors looked like that a lot to me. But anyway, for sure, I agree. I agree. Cool. Another, oh man, you got to so you got to pull up a video on this. So um, I've been playing uh, some Steam games lately, nice. and. I heard that Dome Keeper was a great retro themed um, game on on the regular PC, but very retro gaming. But it is kind of a roguelike where it almost combines digging mechanics like Dig Dug or so. Okay. Where you you basically dig down and you can dig in any direction and you're you're basically finding these resources and materials. You live on the surface in a dome, and that dome has weapons and stuff on it and it has different uh, devices in there to kind of refine the resources that you get and stuff like that. 
So what you, the goal is, is you, when no one's attacking you, you dig down, you try to find these resources, bring them to the surface, refine them, and then you can build bigger, better weapons, uh, power up, stuff like that. But the key thing is, is that while you're down there digging, digging around down there or farting around, as my dad would say, farting around, um, they, people start attacking your dome and you, 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 <laughs> so you got to like drop whatever you're doing and literally drop what you're trying to carry up to the surface and man the cannons and like fight off the, the bad guys. And then when you're done, you dive back down and try to build, dig out and build these resources and you can find power ups down there and all sorts of stuff. Um, one cool thing is that there's a mechanic where you're holding the buttons down and you la- you kind of like link them up with threads and you're pulling these, you can't just pull an unlimited amount of stuff up. It's ways too much. So it'll yeah. weigh you down. So you literally, it, you can like grab one, two, three, four, five, but if you're going slowly up, then people will start attacking your dome and you got to get up there and drop everything. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it makes sense to just grab two or three things and bring them to the surface and, it, it, you got to balance that with the enhancements to your dome. And uh, it's just a really fun balance. I've been having a blast with it. I haven't had a ton of time to play. I probably played three games of it, but it, it there's a lot there to really dive into and, and have some fun. Really cool looking graphics too. Yeah. They're very retro. They're pixelated and stuff, but with that kind cool, of mod- like modern pixel effects or uh, what do you got? Particle effects and things. Yep. Yep, so this game's uh, Dome Keeper, just for people keeping track of it. And you have, like, um, a pet platypus dinosaur thing, too. How cool is that? It, it, you can, it's an upgrade. So, like, as you bring resources up, you can, like, get that. And then he comes down with you and can sniff out, like, the resources so they're easier to find. Love it. Call him yeah. Dino. That looks cool. I can see myself getting sucked into that one. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I see is, some... Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is... um. A leak kind of a thing. There's, there's always sure. leaks now. Uh, but apparently there's a, a, a rumor, I'll call it a rumor at this point, that a new Radiant Silver game uh, apparently has leaked ahead of a Tokyo Game Show announcement. Um, so I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's all, it's all, is it conjecture? I don't know. But potentially a new Radiant, uh, Radiant Silver gun game, which is an amazing shmup from the Saturn that eventually yeah. became uh, more more or less Radiant Silvergun 2 kind of became uh, Ikaruga. Both brilliant games. In fact, it's funny because I, I realize now, like when I look at this, I get all excited about it. Yeah. I have not put in very much time at all into a- the actual Radiant Silvergun. I've played a ton of Ikaruga. But so, I actually, that's a game I need to delve into. So I don't even need that- the second one. I need to go play the first one first. Right, and that's I'm right there with you. I've played a ton of Ikaruga, and I love it. The color changing scheme, the mechanic is brilliant. Radiant Silver Gun, I've played, but not enough. I, I don't, and I don't know why. Um, maybe it's because I haven't had. I mean, I've had a Saturn now for a few years, but I, I just never d- dive, dove into it like I did with uh, Ikaruga. Yeah, yep. We need to maybe we need to put that on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hmm. Next here, I have. Oh, this is an interesting one, Eric. Uh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, and we we talked a little bit about this, right? So this we did, but now this is a two-parter. In fact, hmm, I put it somewhere else in the notes. Okay. So we talked about how Atari has some new Atari games coming out. Right here, they are. Here, you can see they're all sold out at the bottom. So there was Aqua Venture, Yars Return, Missile Command, Adventure. 
actually i think the new ones are, are yars return aqua venture and um saboteur 150 dollars each right yeah not cheap at all not sold at out all. with new their new games new atari 2600 games new boxes new cartridges um so there's two things so there's that first and foremost they've also since come out with limited edition I wouldn't even call them reprints, but remakes of old games. Missile Command, Adventure, Haunted House, Crystal Castles, Super Breakout, and Warlords. And what's interesting about these, um, so they're $99.99. They have brand new boxes that you get with them. Yeah. And, and this is literally the game right here, Eric. So there's a like plexiglass stand. Yeah, and the cartridge doesn't even look like an Atari cartridge. It's shaped like it, kind of, but like this one for Crystal Castle is bright orange, and it's got like a picture of like a maze kind of thing on the front. Um, I don't right. know how to explain it. It's got plexiglass that lights up on the top. It's just, I mean, whatever. It's it's it, it's kind of cool. It is point. cool. It's not hundred dollars cool, but it's kind of cool. Yeah, um, you, and you get a couple you took- stickers, and a, oh, you get a, ba- a patch, which is cool. <laughs> Oh, you do get a patch. That's pretty neat. Uh, that 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 hits me right in the nostalgias. Yeah, I do like the patch thing, and then you get a manual. But this is a game that you can get all day. Cartridge, loose cartridge, two up two bucks, or you can go buy yeah. a new copy for nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. I'm sorry, ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents, uh, pre ordered, and then wait for it to come out. Yeah, I I, I can't spend a hundred dollars on a twenty six hundred game. Man, now the other thing you're do doing. It. And here's the gameplay. It's the original gameplay. Yeah. Now, the other thing they're doing, which is very... Uh, they, I, they straight up took it from the Evercade, right? Let me see if I can find a picture of it here. Did they have a picture? I'm not seeing it. But the spines all have a number on it so that you get that FOMO. Yeah. So you got, you know, one, two, three, four, five. So when you have them all lined up, they even say Atari 2600 or something on the spines. and it's all, So right. now you got to get them all. Now you're literally looking at like over $1,000 for all the games. Got to catch them all. Now, here's the best part. Here's the update. The first three games, after nine months, have started to be released into the wild, Eric. What's that? The Yars Return, Aquaventure, and, and uh, Saboteur. They're, they're, yeah. They're, they're finally reaching people's households. Oh, wow. Now, here's the fun part of it. Okay. Apparently, in fact, I'm going to... Let me scroll down and find... I'll, I'll have to come back to this part because I put it further down here in, the, in our news. Um... boom here we go in fact don't even look at the screen i'm going to read this to you okay i'm not looking so here's the letter that atari included with the games Mm -hmm. or at least i don't know if they included with it or they emailed everybody afterwards dear customer for each standard edition game you've ordered we'll be replacing your cartridge with a new one within the next 30 days free of charge no action is needed from the customer at this time. We'll ask that you return the non-working cartridge via the prepaid shipping label that will be included with your package when it arrives. We will continue to keep you informed of the changes and notify you when, you, when we send out replacements. Our sincere apologies again, and thank you for your patience. So apparently, that's the note they sent out. When people actually got the games, there's another note in the game that said that there was a shipping defect, and all the boards in every single game were installed into the cartridge backwards. Oh, no. <laughs> and it says, if you would like, you can use a heat gun to loosen the front label, peel off the front label, unscrew the cartridge, open it up, flip the PCB around, close it back up, and reattach the sticker. 
That's terrible because I do know with some systems, if you put the cartridges in backwards, it will fry the machine. Now, why would you know that, Eric? <laughs> maybe maybe uh, I was trying to put one of your, uh, what was it? It was your Super Game Boy, I think. But you're trying to get no. your Super Game Boy to to play uh, something, or my, and I unscrewed the cartridge, That's and we right. were using just the PCB, and I put it in backwards, and it popped the fuse on my Super Nintendo. That's right. That's and, right. And I it wasn't remember. just like a loose fuse. I mean, it's a it's a soldered in piece, so I had to <laughs> fix that. That's right. That's now, I, I, I remembered a little bit of the details on that, but not all of them. So that's interesting. <laughs> Anyways, there's Atari. That's what Atari is up to. Oh, Atari. Oh, Atari. Tell me to be quick on this one because I just always get a kick out of these little devices. But this is a tiny retro playing device that's a little bit bigger than. Remember the one they were like constantly trying to make them smaller and smaller, and then they got wow, so ridiculous thing. that you couldn't even play them. Like this, I one? guess now there's a uh, the thing called Pocket Star, which is a keychain sized retro gaming, but it has a little bit bigger screen than all that the kind of batch that came out about a year ago. Um, so supposedly this one's more playable, but it will play like all the ROMs of systems like you know Net, like the uh, Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, uh, Pac Man, stuff like that. Oh my um, goodness, look at that. Look at the little screen on that. It's very pixelated, but it's kind of cool in a very retro way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I kind of I kind of I, just, dig I these couldn't things. play it that small. It's too small. No, but look at it. It, it, fits, I, I just it literally think, fits in a matchbox. Yeah. I um I won't be getting this because again, <laughs> my eyesight's just getting worse and worse. There's no way I could play that, but I do applaud people kind of making this kind of stuff. I think it's really neat. <laughs> I mean, if but, I saw uh, that literally as a keychain for nineteen yeah. ninety nine on the shelf, I'd buy one. Absolutely, so would I. Absolutely. I don't know what the price yeah. on this was, but it was, uh, you know, not that bad. Um, if you go down a little bit, um, I'm trying. Yeah, you gotta here, use I'm... that that inner one. Yeah, there we go. Well, I guess it is bad. <laughs> fifty euros. That's the early one. bird. So yeah, about about fifty euros. Yeah. Yeah, about fifty euros. So uh, that's a little too pricey for me for something this small. But yeah. It's neat. Interesting. I mean, it's cool. I like these things. So, Pocket Star. Looking Pocket off, look forward to Kickstarter. And it looks like they blew through their goal and got $72,000. They only needed like 10,000 euros. Yep. yep. So, there is a demand for them. Yeah. I had to throw this on there just because I get a kick out of this. I think I feel like there's a lot of retro games being like remade and remastered. And I, don't, I really don't understand why. I mean, I guess just because the license is easy to jump at. I don't know. But right. Super Nintendo Favorite, apparently. Maybe that's why it's spelled... Favorite is spelled with a U. So maybe this is like a European thing. Super yeah. Nintendo Favorite, Joe and Mac gets a Switch remake. Because you know that amazing caveman ninja game, Joe and Mac. I've um, never played. I, I don't know. I, I honestly am kind of perplexed by this because I've never heard of him. Oh, I, I, I always saw this game on the rental shelf because it was always there because no one was ever playing it. Okay. Um, I've heard of it. I've heard the of game. Joe and Mac. I guess I've never seen it or played it. We might have to we might have to throw a Joe and Mac into our battle of the systems. Yeah. Games we always hear about but never saw anybody or knew anybody who played. But anyway, think, they they redid it. Do you think There's people are asking for this? No. I think they just pretend that people are until people are. I think it's a fake it until you make it kind of thing. Okay. Joe and Mac, Caveman Ninja. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
So, hey, this is news I got from uh, Pajaco6502 in the Discord. All right. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, I think this is pretty amazing. So, Poom is finally here, and yep. it is a Pico, which is for, that's why the P, the P in Poom is for Pico. Poom is a Doom clone for the Pico 8 system, which for people that don't know, we talk about Pico 8 quite a bit on the show. It is a like a retro inspired fantasy console. Fantasy console, yep. Yep. So it is, you can play these cool little games that people make, and there's tons of them. Um, and I mean, they, and like, if you I get remember. The- if you get the the Pico Eight software, it's like fourteen ninety nine or something. Yeah. You also get free. You get to see the code of every game, and you can code your own games right there on it. Totally worth it for fourteen ninety nine. I there are some some uh, Pico Eight games I absolutely love, um, and they, they and they've been doing some D makes lately. Like they did a Bubble Bobble D make. I, I love D makes, um, and 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 the Bubble Bobble one was fantastic. Man, this looks it, amazing. When I saw this, because Pajaco sent this to us, when I saw this, I was floored. So Look we t- how we, smooth and fast it is. We talked about it, I think, if not last month, maybe the month before, as a, you know, this is on its way, but I need to hop on and go play this now. Look at this. Poom. It is a Doom clone. It is fast. It is smooth. Now, it, it's, a, it's a Doom clone. However, let me go back to the beginning here. Yep. And this is what I love about these things. So here's the first level. Yep. Um, let me see here. Da, da, da. Yeah. Okay. So it's a Doom clone. It's not a remake of Doom. It is, I mean, it looks exactly like Doom, but I don't Correct. recognize. This is not level one, world one. And so, I read. No, I read through the um, through the verbiage for this. It is the levels are different, so it's a whole perfect. new experience, but like in a Doom world. So I will be playing all the way through this. Yeah. Uh, it looks great, and here's the best part: we're watching a. Uh, I'm not going to watch very much of it because I want to play it. We're watching a um, a playthrough, and the playthrough. So he obviously plays through the entire game. Yes, he yeah. does. Takes him forty three minutes. So this is a full fledged Pico Eight game. Yeah, I mean, I've played a lot of Pico Eight games that I loved, and then I was done in twelve minutes. I'm like, that was fun. Absolutely, so the little on. chunk size for people that haven't gotten into Pico Eight, you got to check it out. It is very retro themed, very uh, low res. But the games are so innovative, and from what I understand, the programming land language is easy to pick up. So you're getting a lot of people that it, it's it's fun to watch Pico Eight maturing like it is, because you know a year or two ago the games were kind of rudimentary, but now like you're seeing these very sophisticated D makes and and other things as people get familiar with the language, and this looks just fantastic. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. Boom. So this is amazing. So boom on Pico 8. Go buy Pico 8 if you don't have it. Trust me. You got to go. What do you draw your uh, little hourglasses or whatever next to the. Remember you used to draw hourglasses or whatever it was on your notes, the stuff you needed to try. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I you do. Gotta, yeah. You got to draw some next to that one. Yep. Absolutely. All right. This was uh here's Cody's news of the weird to a point. Okay. <laughs> so part of me is that. like, part of me is like, this is, you know, immature and stupid, and I don't, shouldn't talk about it. But I am, I'm always interested to see how people get around this stuff. So, <laughs> long story short, people are playing Splatoon three on a stream, which yeah. you know Nintendo heavily regulates things. They do, and they found a way to put adult content into the game um, while they the were streaming. Did. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, there was two. Apparently, a Japanese VTuber, which is a, apparently a, a word now. Um, anyways, and of course, they apologized after blah blah blah. Even though, but their whole thing. So I guess they were trying to get see who uh, who could break the most rules as soon as possible to get kicked off first. Their big thing, <laughs> a noble cause. So one of them um, put adult video content, but the way they did it was very clever. And I guess they there's a way in the game to chroma key the colors that you're spraying all over the the play field. Yeah. So the chroma key they used was was video content. Oh boy! So they were battling putting video content all over the map. I just think <laughs> it's you got to give them some credit for how how clever that was. But yeah. I thought that was in, enjoyable to a point. That is. Uh, so boom. My next one here is uh, we've all heard of limited run games and the ones that come out with physical copies of digital games. Have you ever uh, bought they, anything from them, by the way? I Man, I want to say I don't think so. I've never ordered anything online from them. I've just ordered some of the stuff that they put in a Best Buy that was not limited. It was there on the shelf. Maybe that's what I did, too, because I yeah. think I did buy a limited run game that was in Best Buy. Yep. Um, in fact, I'm almost positive I did, but I don't think I've ordered. Th- that's what's weird is they're, they run that thing where you got to rush to get on their site, and they only have like maybe 200 copies of something or 2,000 copies or whatever. And I'm not into that. I'm not in, I don't, I've never queued up for any, to buy anything in my life, and I'm, I don't plan on ever doing that. So They kind of got away from that and started doing pre-orders now because I think they realized okay. they can make more money that way. Yeah. But that's true. Still, so it, it takes a year to get my thing, so I don't do pre-orders. So right, either way, I'm right. not doing it. So I haven't really gotten in that, but I know a lot of people like limited run games, and I do think they do a lot of really cool work. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff that they do, I think, is neat, coming out with physical yeah. copies of games that are only digital. Um, but they have announced a new book label. They are going to start doing books, which I think is really cool. Um I, I don't know what the books are going to be yet. I haven't seen that, but they are going to start offering offering um, uh, basically books on video games. Okay. That's it. I mean, I don't have a lot of more details. I don't think there is a lot of details. They've just announced that they are going to... Um, it looks like um, it's being led by Jared Perry and Jeremy Parrish, who... Yeah, from Retronauts. From the Retronauts, yeah, so... They have people that are close to the hobby involved, so that's good. Oh, there we go. The first, admit, I, the first book I, is going to be Virtual Boy Works. Okay. Um, and then we have Super NES Works Volume 1. The History of Sunsoft Volume 1 sounds interesting. That does sound interesting. And it says, oh, here you go. All three titles are available to purchase today, priced at $34.99 each. Now I'm going to go take a look. Cause yeah. I, I love books, video game books. I really do, and I've I've have a whole shelf um, of video game books. I have to admit that I look through them maybe once or twice, and then I never go back and look through them again. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's I think that's more of a criticism of me, not the books. I, I just I'm too busy playing games and doing research and stuff like that than to actually dig into books. Um, but. Uh, I do love them. I love them, and I've bought I've bought tons of them over the years. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. I don't have a lot of video game books primarily for that reason. The one thing I do like though is when they do games uh, or books based, or they do like the entire library of a system, and you can go in there mm-hmm. and flip through and find a game or two every time you flip through, and you're like, oh, well, let's try that right now. You know, with ratings and like a page of information on each that kind of a thing. Um, hmm. here we go. 
the analog pocket has been getting some new core releases. Yeah. So they just released the NES core for the analog pocket. So now you can play NES on your handheld analog pocket device. Yep. Which, of course, is that cool new sleek retro uh, handheld, which I would buy if it was just available on the shelf. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot more to say, but they've got that. But then they also mentioned that coming up very soon uh, is the Genesis core. And then, of all things, the Pokemon Mini core. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Pokemon Mini? I've read about it. And so there's an overlap between... um there's an overlap between analog and the mister because they're both FPGA driven. Gotcha, so I think gotcha. you're going to, you're going to see a lot more cores coming out from the analog because they can literally port them from the mister to the analog without a whole lot of fuss, I think. Gotcha. Um, but no, I, I mean, I, I've heard of the Pokemon mini core, but I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't know much about it. Yeah. So, I, and I don't know a ton about it either, but it's basically a, my understanding, it's a, little handheld game console slash it's almost like a remember the tamagotchis yeah it looks like a little tamagotchi but it's got a d-pad and two buttons and it has cartridges you swap out but all the cartridges are like mini pokemon games <laughs> is that oh, a new thing of, or is that an older no, thing no this is uh here we go uh came out in north america november 16th 2001 okay so yeah i think i consider that retro right i could see you getting in on some of that oh yeah I actually might be able. I might be interested in getting some Pokemon Mini. That sounds kind of cool. That does sound cool. Until I just saw the prices, and now I'm not interested. Eh, it's not that bad if it comes with the games. $162 for the Mini and two games. I'm just looking at a random yeah. eBay eBay thing here. Those should be cheaper, anyways. Yeah, they are not. That's what they cost. All right. All right. Cool. That's that's the way you get out of things now. All right. All right. Um. Only a couple more here. So one I wanted to point out, just saw this today. Uh, yeah. It's always fun when this stuff happens. But two unreleased NES games surface on eBay. Um, so no judgment here, but just a couple thoughts that come into my head. So first of all, there's two games on eBay. Uh, clearly prototypes. One literally says, CES sample, please return to Rare, Inc. Mm. Um, and it turns out that was a, a kind of a demo program more than a game of the power glove and it was like a game where you interacted with blocks by punching them or picking them up or throwing them and stuff with the power yeah. glove okay and the other one is a game uh what is it called here it is a game called battlefields of napoleon and actually includes all even though we just have the pcv here if you scroll down you'll see it actually has the box art and everything oh wow as well yeah and apparently they came out with a Japanese version of this game, but it was like the, the Western translation of it. Um, so very cool. And uh, the reason it's brought to the attention is, and this is where I kind of see two different sides of this, and I'm not judging and I'm not making any opinions. I just think it's interesting. The Video Game History Foundation, i.e. Frank Cifaldi. I'm sure there's other people that work with Frank Cifaldi on this, but it's mostly, mostly this guy. Yeah. Um. And there's a part of me that goes, that's cool. He wants to preserve, like, every video game ever. But he's preserving them by, like, buying them. But he doesn't buy them. He asks for people to, like, donate money to buy the games for him. I'm yeah. sorry, for them. <laughs> for, And they do a good job of preserving it and getting um, digital copies out so other people can play them. But ultimately, this society, which is this guy, owns it all. So it's part of me right. that's like, well... Now he's got a full-time job. Based, I mean, he's got other things. He writes and stuff. I'm not trying to be 
I'm not trying to be confrontational or critical or anything. It's just there's part of me that's like, well, I would love for people to buy me a bunch of stuff that I want. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, that'd be really cool. But yeah, Pixel Guide listeners, send us so much crap. There you go. (laughs) We want crap. We'll play it. Um, So, anyways, that's cool. He's trying to get, he thinks it's going to be go for thousands of dollars. So, he's trying to get investors to, to spend the money so he can digitize it and everything, which is true. If they end up in a collector's hands, they can hold it for ransom and all this other stuff, too. Right. So there is that cool. news item. Yep. Oh, look at uh, this. Hey, Eric, look at Eric. this. I put this in here for you, Cody. Oh, I saw so this. There, finally, there is Cuphead physical release out now. So um, there is, uh, and from what I've understood, that it, I think it includes the DLC and stuff like that. I might, I might be wrong on that, but uh, physical yeah, retail and a deluxe collector's edition. Okay. Um, that includes the delicious last course, which did you play through that? So, yeah, I was going to talk about that next episode, but yeah, I, I actually completed it. Okay. I think before we even recorded the last episode, I forgot to mention it, but yeah, I absolutely completed it all. Awesome. So it basically a physical copy of this and I didn't, I, I figured you had seen this, but it comes with a lot of doodads and whatnots, little feelies inside. I think they're like, uh, they look like almost like trading cards or something. I'm not sure what they are, uh, but there it is. Cuphead, if this, you really enjoyed it, you can now get the physical edition. This is a game that I love so much that even though I've already completed it, and uh, I'll probably go back and play it again at some point. Yeah. And I might buy a physical just to own it and put it on the shelf, because I love the game so much. Yeah, and I, and I know you like some of the feelies that come with games and stuff, and this comes with something, so that if might they be something. a nice to, big poster like, in there that would fold out, that would be cool. That would be cool. Love cool. it. Yep. Um, just to point out the japanese msx computer dev competition they call it msx dev 2022 has officially uh shut down um what do you call it they had a deadline for for developers i can't talk developers to submit their games yeah and they've got the most turnout ever and it looks like the best games submitted ever eric uh 32 msx titles were were um entered and I don't know if you scrolled through any of these, but I've played I a few of them. But I, oh my gosh, there is some amazing stuff. There's one in particular, and honestly, I haven't been able to get it to play. So I'm hoping you and I can put our heads together and figure out how to get our uh, Mega Flash ROM carts to play this game. Um, there's a couple of them actually. So one of them that I just noticed is called Diced. Okay. And this game looks really cool. I think this is actually just standard MSX, so this one should play fine. I haven't tried it yet. But yeah. it's a game where you're in this old western bar, and there's a store and drinks and all kinds of different games, and you you literally like are playing. I mean, there's so much going on here. You're playing games of chance and going to the bar and spending money and buying people drinks, and there's there's some Yahtzee going on here. Um, it just looks very full featured. Um, but the other game, I was, the other game I wanted to show you that like blew my mind. Let me show you here. And there's, there's something about it. I mean, it's, if you want to go on the website, which you can check the link in our show notes, um, you'll you'll see links to the games that you can play right in your web browser. But I don't do that. I need to play it on physical hardware. Yeah, I um, wouldn't want to play this. I want to would want to pull my MSX out, boot it up, and try to get those to work. Yeah. So this is a huge ROM, 1.2 megabytes for a Ooh, MSX2 game. Yeah. And oh man, look at that. Yeah, right? Look at the graphics on that. In fact, so just so you can see it, Eric, I will load it up in the web browser and play some. 
Um, audio is muted, so there's a little MSX loading. It's called Lily's Saga, The Stones of Evergreen. And this is to Super Mario Brothers what the great Gianna sisters on the Commodore 64 is to Super Mario Brothers. And yeah. it is amazing um, yeah, i mean the palette is beautiful and almost looks like a C- like a super nintendo game yeah it's, i mean it looks well you'll see here i mean it looks it almost looks like if they did super mario brothers on the master system yeah um to me i mean but it is different you've got similar creatures you've got you can scroll backwards which you can't in super mario brothers there's these cool cutscenes. yeah um and it's like a full-fledged game with I don't know, a lot going on. It's amazing what they're coming out with for the for the systems now. Yeah, um, this looks really, really good. So anyways, I want to try cool. all the MSX games, so hopefully we'll talk more about that next episode, or not next episode, cool. next month. Yep. But check out the MXS Dev 22 contest. Right on. Hey, so there is a new Commodore 64 game called Cab Hustle. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a cross between space taxi and like crazy taxi. Um, the only problem is, is you can't just go get this game. It is part, it's like a cover, um, cover disc game for zap 64 magazine. So That's actually kind of cool. <laughs> it is cool. Um, but you have to, you have to go get the magazine. And then I think there is a download that you can do. So I'm sure it'll, you know, I, I haven't had time to sit down and see what is involved, but I would love to just go buy that episode or that, that, um, issue issue. Yeah. Sorry. My, my brain, brain was blacking out, <laughs> but this game looks awesome. It is, it, 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 it uh, you know, me, I love space taxi. It's one of my favorite. Oh, it's on my, yeah, games. for sure. This one, you land on pads and stuff too, but, uh, there's also a kind of a little bit of a crazy taxi built into this too. Very cool. Yeah, it looks cool. You're almost like this little paper airplane looking thing. Yep. So I'm eager to d- dive into that and see what it's all about, but uh, I got to figure out how to buy it, and I and I will, and I will. And maybe we'll, maybe you and I will just have to get um, a. Uh, I think we need to get like a, a an import business going. Honestly, Eric, maybe it'll be Pixel Guide and Imports. That where would be we, amazing. Where we get a bunch of Americans that want to buy magazines and things that cost a ton to ship over here, but we buy it in bulk and ship it once and we, di- we divvy it out for a small fee. Yeah. You know, rather than one magazine costing, you know, eight, eight dollars plus $20 shipping, you know, we end up charging $12 an episode and exactly. they do call them, they do call them episodes over there, which is weird. Yeah. Issues. We call them issues over here in the U S right. You know, I think that's a business venture right there. Um, we already talked about doom once Eric. So why not again? Doom runs on yet another non-gaming platform, Eric, and this one is as unique as some of the other ones you've heard of, I'm sure. You can now play a full working, and it actually looks really good, game of Doom in the Notepad app on your Microsoft Windows computer. (laughs) And here it is. that's cool. Check us out. Look at that. It's pretty smooth. It's very smooth, and it's like, it's actually, (laughs) it's legit Doom. And it's all, I mean, it's hard to, it's, it's the, the details hard to see, but I'm guessing those are all ASCII characters. It's just drawing it at such a fast refresh rate that it's hard to tell. It looks like Doom in black and white, black and gray. (laughs) That's incredible. Right? That's crazy. I'm not sure, but I mean, in theory, if it's, if it's running on that, you should be able to just download it and play it. I'm not sure how it works, but 
Yeah, I would imagine it's just a document file, right? Yeah. Crazy. That is nuts. Looks really good. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, it's not only I, mean, I, it, I play more than ten seconds of it, but it's cool. Yeah, it's a good. It's. A, I mean, when I say it looks good, it looks good for a game playing a Notepad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And Eric, you've got the last uh, piece of news for the month. Yep. So, in, in the title of this article from PC Gamer explains it all. Vampire Survi- Survivors, which we've all played now, yeah, um, yep. on the show, was such a big hit. It's getting a whole new engine. Look at so, that. From what I read, it's just going to make it, 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 it they're not going to change the gameplay a ton at all, it, but it's going to look a little sharper, look a little nicer. Um, I, I, I think that's cool. I mean, I like I, the looks of Vampire Survivors never bothered me at all. I mean, I thought it looked kind of cool, but I'm eager to see what it, what, what, it, what it looks like. So I looked a little into this. First of all, because it was in beta this whole time or whatever you call it, early release. Yeah, it's officially going to be 1.0 first and foremost. So it'll be officially released. Yeah, um, this is a game, by the way, that cost two dollars ninety nine cents and just blew up, and everybody's like obsessed with this game. Yeah. I got hooked on it for a little bit, but apparently they just keep doing updates. So if we went back and played it even today, Eric, there'd be a ton different with it. Um, yeah, as, you know, be, same gameplay, but I'll be more honest, unlockables. I was, on a tech, I was on a tech support call this morning, and I I just threw it on and started playing it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I heard this new version, you can choose to play the new version or else you can choose to use classic mode or whatever and play the, ori- the original version as well still. so That's smart. I think that's really smart because people a- can just play whatever version they want. And it was a one-man team. Who's yep. This guy is super unaware of what he created. And at this point, it sounds like he's actually bringing on people to make more updates and stuff to this thing because it's gone beyond a one-man team. Like it's, Now there's actually a team here. And there's to, it, to it's kind of going. was a genre definer because so many games came out afterwards that just tried to follow the same formula. Yep. And, and we've talked about them on the show. And we're talking about a game that was literally released uh, late, late December last year. So yep. not even, not even uh, just over 10 months old. Right. And Eric, that's the news. Awesome. Which means it's time for another beer. Yes. As far as I'm concerned. Uh, We do want to mention real quick the YouTube channel. Make sure you hop on there and subscribe to youtube.com forward slash pixel guiden. Eric apparently is working on a video that's going to be going up there as well. Tim has put a bunch of stuff on there and I've done nothing in such a long time that I won't even consider myself part of it. (sighs) Tears. (laughs) Absolute tears. Uh, Which beer are we going for this time, Eric? I say we go for the... uh so I'm excited, too, because when I bought these beers, they were warm. Therefore, I filled an entire cooler up with ice, poured water in it, and put four beers in that. So they're, like, frosty, frosty cold. Let's do the the brewery, Rook, Rook Keller Martzen, Martzen-style lager. Got it, got it, got it. 6.3% by volume. It is brewed and canned by the brewery in Placentia, Placentia, California. Placentia, California. Placentia, Which, uh, we'll just call it Placenta. Placenta, California. <laughs> Placenta. That's what, that's what <laughs> when I read that, I was like, Placenta? Um, the brewery is uh, spelled cool guy style, B-R-U-E-R-Y. There you go. No umlaut or anything else, huh? Just no. There you go. Uh, the ideal serving temp apparently is 38 Fahrenheit. I love all these microbrews, how they do like fun things on the can like that, you know? Um. 
Boop, 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 boop. I'm reading and see if there's anything else cool to talk about on here. They talk about their story. Oh no, it looks good. Let's let's dig into it. Okay. Eric. Yeah. Uh, we'll stick with Prost this time, right? Prost. Yep. Prost. Boom. All right. Hmm. Mm. Definitely more caramelly, more sweeter than the last one, but pretty but I'd, similar. But I'd say round. I would say <laughs> I'd say rounder. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. There's not. They don't have those jutting high notes that the last one did. Yep. It's it's, more, it's more it's malty. More, yep. Definitely more malty. More has a little sweet, little sweet roundness to it. Like you were saying, kind of rounds it out a little bit. I think I prefer it, to be honest with you. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. I can't remember the exact number we came up with, but I have $342 to get Tim his Vectrix. What do you call it? Yeah. Overpriced uh, dollars? or <laughs> um, How many are you giving this one? I gave, th- what was that? The last one I gave 320 right? Around there, yeah. I'm going to give this one a two. 285. Oh, he doesn't like it as much. I'm going to go 302. 302. All right. Uh, what was the word you used? It was a good word. Rake, what? Raking us across the Kohl's do- dollars to get a Vectrix overseas. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. It's good. good. I like this one. This one's great. Two winners so far. This is my favorite season. I love the, I love the beers that come out of this season for sure. Yep. Yes, sir. Uh, Eric, it's time for a battle between systems. Battle of the systems. (laughs) And this battle, Eric, is one I've been thinking about for quite a while. Literally years. They are two games that I have loved. I've wanted to get onto a battle, and I figured this is how we're going to make it work. Okay. So this explain we, it to me. We've had people, Eric. We've had yeah. naysayers, if you will, tell us that a lot of our battles aren't even between systems; they're just random games. And I say, nay, Eric, <laughs> nay. Yeah. Um, I think I just blew the mic up. Uh, this is a battle between systems because there are two games that i personally love both of these games are are comparable games in many ways one is on the nes and one is on the sega genesis now the sega genesis came out in north america in 1989 eric The, the year i graduated high school the super nintendo came out almost exactly two years later to the month in 1991. Okay. Which means the Genesis was a distant second at that point for two years to the Nintendo NES, the original 8-bit system. That's true. Now, in alternate universes like Europe and stuff, who knows what they did? I don't know. But here, the NES was kicking the Genesis's butt right. for and two like- years. Like Tim has told us, like like the the NES didn't do super well in the UK, so it may it may be. But we're talking about here in America, America, 
So, these were directly competing systems for two years until the Super Nintendo came out. And then, uh, so, we talked about last episode, we can talk about it more next episode. I finished yeah. listening to Console Wars, so I know a lot more about all this now. Yes. But they directly competed for two, two years, and that's the key here. And the NES was winning. So, the two games, Eric, mm-hmm. do you remember what they were, I hope, because we're talking oh, about them? Oh, absolutely, I remember what they were. Played a lot of them. Uh, so one of them on the Genesis was Elemental Master. Um, and then the second game was that you want me to yeah. talk about that too? It the, was Gun Dot Smoke. The dot's important. Gun Dot Smoke. Gun and, Dot Smoke. And what, and, and what do they uh, have? Why, did, why are they comparable games aside from the fact that they were competing systems? Well, I mean, I, I figured you were going to tell us the secret there, but I mean, they're both vertical scrollers that yep. scroll down the screen. Yes. And you have a player that you are moving up and down and you are tracking, you know, getting moving towards the top. Yep. And they're they're not spaceships or flying things. They're both people walking Walk. on the ground. And they yep. both have very, not necessarily very, but they ha- both have a unique twist. They each have their own unique twist that makes it different than any other shooters. They so, absolutely do. And I, <clears throat> I, I am... Uh, I don't like it. I mean, I I don't mind battling 16 and 18 bit systems or 16 and 32 because gameplay is king. So if the gameplay is awesome, I don't care if we're battling an Atari 2600 game to a PlayStation game. I don't care. I want to battle the essence of the game, the gameplay. Like I said, the gameplay gameplay is king. So it doesn't matter to me what the graphics or sound or whatever are. I just want to see about the gameplay. So I think this is totally fair. I agree. And what we say goes, Eric. What we say goes. Yep. Um, Cool. Well, they're they're both games I very much love. I've already played tons of them, but I went ahead and played more of them for the show. Okay. Um, I am not biased one way or the other. I'm not sure where where your allegiance is going to lie on this. I have no clue. I I think they're both, gameplay-wise, they're both great. So I'm going to let you pick. Which one do you want to start with? Which one should we start with? I won't reveal this till the end of our discussion on that particular game, but I beat one of these. I already, and, know, I already know which one it is. <laughs> and then the other one I didn't beat, but I got pretty far in it, so I'm pretty happy about that. All right. um, okay. Um, let's start with uh, my notes. Start with gun dot smoke. So let's gun go dot with gun smoke. dot smoke. Gun smoke. So oh, I, have I can give still. some dry statistics on this if you're ready. Uh, I say yes. So this game released in October 23rd, October 23rd, 1985 in the arcade. This is an arcade port. Okay. Um, and the game, from what I read and through my research, the game is quite a bit different in the arcade versus the NES version. I will. And I maybe will. We, yeah, okay. I'll just say real quick. I have played a little of the arcade, and maybe it's because I played the NES one so much more first. Yep. But uh, this is, a for me, a case at this point of the NES game being better than the arcade. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think because one's a quarter munch and the other one's a fun game. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the developer on this game was Capcom, which is always gold. Yes. Love Capcom. Um, the designer was Yoshiki Akimoto. Nailed it. Um, blah, 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 blah. This had a lot of different platforms. This game came out on a lot of different platforms. Arcade, Famicom Disk System, the Nintendo Entertainment System, Amstrad CPC, MSX, Ooh. PS2, really? PS1, ZX Spectrum, Xbox, Sega Saturn, and Windows. Even had a Windows. So that was a DOS. Hold on. Like you, a, just, you blew my mind. I've literally seen the arcade and 
NES, the Famicom and the NES are the same. So those are the only okay. ones I knew about. So I absolutely want to try these on some other systems. I kind of want to try it on Sega Saturn. That sounds interesting to me. It's probably an arcade <laughs> collection on the Saturn. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right there. Um, let's see here. The the FDS slash NES version came out in Japan on January 27th, 1988. And in North America on February 1988. Uh, the genre technically is a run-and-gun shooter. Um, it is sing- single player and multiplayer. At least the arcade version is. I don't think the NES was right. If it is, we're playing it. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember. I don't I think didn't it is. Get opportunity. Okay. So anyway, there there are differences in the NES version versus the um, the arcade. The main one, which we can talk about, some of the other smaller option ones, but only six of the ten bosses are in this version are in the NES version. Okay. Um, there are additional weapons like the machine gun, uh, smart bomb, and magnum. Um, the player can use their score to purchase weapons and items. That's different, obviously, than the arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can talk about some of these other ones. They're not as as major. There's another type of y- y- yashiki, y- yachichi. They're like these little things that look <laughs> like fans that will give the player temporary invincibility. Um, but let's get into the game before we talk about all that crap. Gun dot smoke. It really does have the dot right there, doesn't it? I found out why the dot's there. And it says trademark. Make sure to say TM at the end. There you go. The, the, it's all about trademarks. They put the dot in there because Gunsmoke, the show, was still on TV. Wow. And they did not want to make this based on the Gunsmoke show on TV, which I think is silly because there's nothing other than them being awesome. Western-themed. They're well, not yeah, the but, same. But they would totally sue. I mean, that's yeah, just how so, life is. Which I think is hilarious. Let's just put a dot in the middle. Okay. I can see the people in the boardroom. Well, yeah. we can just put a dot in the middle. And if people ask us why it's there, we'll just say it's a bullet hole. <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, so the game starts with a cool little cut scene. You're this mm-hmm. cowboy walking down the, the, you know, a very stereotypical wooden western, wild western town, uh, which is funny because... I always, you know, even here in America, I always think the Wild West. I'm like, man, I can't imagine how that looks. I want to go there. I'm like, wait, it's like where I live. It's just not. It's just not really here anymore. Um, no. And then there's a wanted sign for the a, a bad guy who turns out to be the boss. You're. It's a very brown game. The dirt is mostly brown, at least for the first few levels. There are wooden uh, shops and buildings on both the left and right of the screen. You're going back and forth. Um, always shooting towards the top of the screen. Um, there's there's barrels you can shoot. There's bad guys that come at you that wear different colored shirts, and they shoot different ways, so you kind of learn what sh- their shooting patterns are. Shooting the barrels gets you... Uh, you have to shoot them a bunch of times, and they'll get you power-ups and money. Um, yeah. And people sometimes lean outside the windows of the uh, the buildings to, to throw things at you. I think both good and bad. It does have the, uh, the original kind of early video game pow power power up where it kills everybody on the screen um and sometimes like right now in the first level here the buildings have gone away and now you're kind of outside the town but there's still fences to avoid um you can pick up pickups like boots which make you go faster um and there's a woman like this right here where you go talk to her and you can um buy power-ups and guns and things like that yep now it's like a shop it's like a shop mechanic basically a shop yeah now the key I'll, I'll let you explain it, Eric, but there's a one key gameplay mechanic that makes this game so much different than any other shooter, 
And I it, think it so. Gives it all of the uh, all of the uh, pizzazz that is gun dot smoke. Well, the thing that makes it interesting to me, which I didn't get when I first loaded this up, because I have to admit, I probably played this game in the past, but very briefly. Um, when you hit the B button, or I can't remember how they are in the Nintendo, the B is first and A is second, right? Anyway. Left, we'll just call the, the left button and the right button. How about that? Exactly. You hit the left button and it shoots diagonal up to the left. You hit the other button and it shoots diagonal up to the right. What I didn't know until I read the manual, because I do try to download the manuals for all the games we play and read through them, just so I make sure I'm not missing anything. If you hit both buttons at the same time, it shoots straight forward. I didn't even know that the first two times I played this. Yep. Uh, but you hit both buttons and it will shoot straight forward, with which you know I'm glad I eventually found out and it was very, very helpful. Um, that 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 did that did make a huge difference to me um so it's, it, it's key i think to note that when you shoot you have two six shooters so you're shooting two streams yep. of bullets so you can yep. either shoot you know two vertical columns or else basically those two columns if you hit the left button shoot, shoot like 30 degrees towards the left side of the screen or 30 degrees towards the right with the right button yep and at the shops you can get better guns like a shotgun in this version you can even get a machine gun you can get a magnum and when you pick up those weapons, your pistols have unlimited ammo. But when you pick up any other gun, there are drops in the game that are look like little bullets. And that is ammo. And you do have a finite amount of ammo. So you do want to pick up those collectibles. You can buy them in the shops, too, like, you know, ammo packs. But you really just get them through. Um, when you kill people, it'll show up or you blow up those barrels. You can get more ammo for those enhanced weapons. But if you ever go back to your pistols, you have unlimited. So you don't have to ever worry about completely running out. So although this game is a vertical scrolling shooter, yep, I would say it actually feels almost more to me like Commando than it does a vertical shooter. There was a lot of comparisons to Commando in the research I did. Which is interesting because Commando, you 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 force it to scroll. You don't. It doesn't auto scroll. This is clearly an auto scrolling game. It's really more like a shmup, but yeah. the, the vibe is more Commando like, in my opinion. Yeah. The last two things I will say about uh, the gameplay that need to be known. Um, one one thing you can do is you can also get a horse power up where a horse runs up to you and you jump on its back and all of a sudden you're a lot faster. You've got a big horse that can take a bunch of bullets yeah. before he dies. If he dies, you fall off the horse and you're back on foot again so and you, they call that like a in in the terminology of these type of games it's a bullet sponge right you can you like go. take some hits before you die and it's like it's kind of like an extra life that's strapped on you or something like yep. that and you're also a little faster but you're also a little bigger target too yes that's right yep. um but then the key element of the game and then there's another thing you have to kind of learn or if you read the manual which you probably did you have to as you shoot things you know people they drop bags of money and you yeah. can use those for for upgrades for guns and things and all that. But if you keep spending it on on guns and things or you don't spend it on anything, you'll keep scrolling the level over and over and over and over again. You'll never get anywhere because you actually have to pay, I think, $20,000 for the first level. I think it's 40 for the second. And it keeps going up. But you actually have to pay to get the boss to show up. So you That's have to collect well, you- enough money to get the boss to show up, right? To get the wanted poster, right? Once you find, because you can find the wanted poster. See, there it is right there. They just showed it in the video. Oh, yeah, I see that. Okay, I, I didn't realize that. If you get you every level, you have to get the wanted poster, and then you can face the boss. 
if you miss that getting that that pickup, it will just keep scrolling and then it'll show it again eventually. And or I you think can buy you can, it. Or you can buy it. Exactly. Okay. So you can get enough money to buy it, but you can, it, there, it does drop in every level. Gotcha. Did you read that in the manual or did you figure that out? Nope. I figured it out. I, for whatever yep. reason, I've never put that together. That's interesting. I, because yep. it never made sense to me because the whole idea is like, you're an outlaw trying to get them the wanted money. So why are you paying for that? Exactly. <laughs> to make sense. So the bosses right. themselves are bullet sponges and they typically have a pretty regular pattern that they do. And yep. you kind of have to figure out the pattern and not get killed and shoot it a whole bunch of times before you get shot. And then you go to the next level. Like this next level is much more uh, like canyony outdoors with big old, you know, cactuses and these big old spires of rock. Um, Let's see, third level here. I've been, I've gotten to the third level here where I guess it's kind of grassy with like a, a dirt path down the center. Yep. Um, and then there's uh, you know cowboys and Indians, right? You got teepees with a bunch of Native Americans that are that come out of the teepees and throw tomahawks and and that kind of a thing. Um, totally inappropriate for today's <laughs> climate. <laughs> I mean. I mean, I guess it, it's in a. I don't know. There's no way to not get political if you talk about it. I mean, it's yeah. more or less something that happened. So it yeah, was it's a historical. Thing, but to pick it, sides, I guess, would be inappropriate. Well, um, it's historical fact that that's what happened. Whether yeah. who, who was in the wrong or right, I mean, that's all clear. But it did happen. So yeah, it, yeah. I think it's okay to show that in a video game or name your football teams after it or whatever. Yeah, and, and some people you know agree differently and that's fine. Whatever. We can all still be yep. friends. So we can have different opinions. But yep. anyways, in this game they, they do that. And um and I don't think I actually made it to this level this time. I think it sounded like you might have where they dropped the rocks on the uh I did. on the path. I did. I did not play this one as much this time. Um I've gotten here in the past uh to be straight up. I don't know if I no, I have gotten here as well. Yeah, um, long time ago though, where there's the next level after that, you're you're going back and forth across the river. Yep. Um, but then it looks like there is another level here, which is a fort, which is the last level I've never been to. But oh, and there's cool. graves and stuff. So, anyways, what do you, how did you what do you think about my my pick, my first pick here? I loved it. I loved this game. I played it. Um, I played it a ton. I started with this game and I played it a ton. And once I read the manual and could figure out shooting straight and some of the other nuances and what the power-ups did, I played this game a lot. And this is the game I beat. Um, wow, really? Yep, I got all the way through it. Wow. I got to the final boss and beat him. And I um, and I saw the I got the credit scrolling. That's what that's what you get at the end. <laughs> the credit scroll um, with some pictures, apparently. Yep. Eric, I loved it. Eric, I loved you, it. You you were able to beat a game that I could not. What? Yeah, I, I have not. I've never beat this game. I've never gotten to the fifth level. Oh wow! Or the sixth well, level. I, I've never gotten to the. Sixth I beat level. it, and it wasn't easy. I will say that. And and by the way, um, sometimes I use my Mister to play these games. I did not. I used real hardware to play both of these games because they were arcadey enough to real. I didn't need to really do save games. Um, you know, I didn't have to save to come back to it. I it, there there one games you can definitely play in one sitting. Uh, Gunsmoke took me a while. I mean, it was not easy. I would pause it and then go eat dinner or yeah, get yeah. a drink or whatever. I mean, I'd pause it and leave it for hours, but I'd come back to it and enjoyed my time tremendously with this game. It It's probably now one of my top 
seven games on the Nintendo wow. Entertainment System. Yeah, I love it. I love this game. It's fantastic. Which I'm assuming means it's your seventh favorite game on the Nintendo. No it one says be. top seven and says no because it's sixth. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, I reserve the right to shuffle my top whatever number yeah, no, all the time. And so it'll always like shuffle in the top seven. Yeah, no, this this is a cool game. I mean, it just kind of screams what we thought Westerns were in the late 80s, early 90s. Yep. Um, very Cowboys and Indians. Um, you know, it, it's... I, I just think there's a there's something about the gameplay. It's just super solid gameplay. There's something about that mechanic that feels comfortable right away, but different enough that you're intrigued by it. I would yep. say the one downside, um, I don't recall the music being terribly memorable, so I'd say the music and sound is average. Yes, it was kind of an early an earlier NES game. Yep. Um, but it's uh, a simple pick up and play game too. Other than shooting forward, which isn't that intuitive, and it doesn't tell you in the game. Um, other than that, everything's intuitive. Like you, you don't need to look up a video. You don't need to do anything. Everything is pretty explanatory within the game. I, I think you uh, do need to kind of figure out the whole wanted poster thing. And, yes, and yes, there's a yes, couple yes. little things that once they click, you're like, Oh, I want to play it now. I want to play it. Yeah, again. It never tells you, you have to pick up ammo for the enhanced weapons. But once you see them in the shop, you're like, well, maybe you need to do that. And there are little things that look like pinwheels that do different things like invincibility for for a short time. Um, you know, you, you just kind of pick it up as you go along. I didn't beat this the first time I played it. I don't want to give that impression. Oh, no. Yeah. It, it took me a bit. and uh, But I loved it. So I, I have nothing, nothing bad to say about it. I mean, it was fantastic. You're right. The music kind of, the sound and music kind of get monotonous after a bit, but. I, I, I mean, mean, they're not bad. They just weren't. They weren't over the top. No, and, and that's Nintendo for you. I mean, they, they're not going to have like you're not going to get thirty different songs. In oh, the, I disagree. In, <laughs> Nintendo has some excellent, excellent music. But, oh, it does. Yeah. But I mean, you're not going to fit thirty different songs in a single game. I mean, ask Mega Man about happen. that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say the one. The one downside I would say is, for the most part, shooting left and right you're doing that more than straight, but when you want to shoot straight for a long period of time, it, it will cramp your thumb. Yeah. I would Somebody's, love, did, I would love did, to see a Genesis version of this. Cause that has the perfect three button layout for left, right and center. Well now you, I mean, as I discussed, you can try to play this not on the Genesis, but Saturn, Xbox, uh, PlayStation, PlayStation two. They must be, you're right. They must be in the thing is they're going to be the arcade way. And I want this version. MSX. MSX, MSX. I'm, I'm a good try. Although that's still going to be two buttons and probably left, right, and two buttons for center. You're probably right. But I, probably I totally right. want to try those and the Spectrum just to try them. The Spectrum one would be very interesting. Um, uh, one person gave me a tip on Twitter, and I, I I have to admit I never tried it, but I want to. Is they said one you, you got to play that with the Advantage, the NES Advan the Nintendo Advantage joystick. I actually, you know the yeah, I have one. Oh, so do I. Oh, yeah, you have it right here. There it is. Is that uh, for the auto sitting, fire? Mine's sitting right behind me. Well, they just said it just e- eases up you cramping and hitting the two buttons to fire straight is much more much easier. Yeah, and I so can literally see that. you could put on auto fire and just hold left, right, or both. Yeah, you're absolutely so right. Ooh, I'm gonna we should do that. try that. That might get you over the hump. That might do it. That might do it. I'm, now that you've beat it, it's becoming a thing. It's already becoming a hair in my in my throat. I need to get well, it out. I need one. to get that beat. 
Well, I told you this already, so the next one I definitely didn't beat. So we uh, we got to rate this one and move on to the next one. All right. So let's say we got to pick a rating system. It has to do yep. something with people walking, walking and shooting vertically. Yep. What are you thinking? Have you got anything? Um, Is there a link that connects these two games? Elemental Master and Gundot yeah. Smoke. I don't know. There's no real link because one's fantasy and one's old you know west. What? In order for them to do what they're doing, they've got to have some good shoes. They're doing a lot of mileage. True, true. So let's... let's um, Out of two shoes. No, I'm just at, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. After Out of uh, 80 pounds of rawhide. Okay. 80 pounds we, of rawhide. Sure, why not? I don't know how that correlates, but there we go. I'm going to give this a solid 72. I love it. Like I said, I love it. Yeah. 72. Yeah. I'm doing some math in my head. 70 seems low. 72 seems just slightly high. So I guess I'll go 71. All right. 71. 71, 72. That's not bad. Great, great game. Gundot Smoke on the NES, which I would love for them to release a Sega Genesis version, which they did for this next game. Yes, they did. Elemental Master on the Sega Genesis or Mega Drive if you're overseas. The developer for this was Technosoft. Um, it is by Tashaharu Yama, Yamanishi. Yamanishi. Again, nailed it. You're amazing. Nailed it. Um, Genesis, obvious, just for the Genesis. That's interesting, right? Yeah, this is a console-specific game, Yep. which I would have said about Gun.Smoke, except... Um, I mean, it still might be. I don't know what the MSX and the Spectrum ports are. Are they, are they more like the arcade, or are they like this one? That's what I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, so. I have no idea. But this one, li- literally, just the Genesis. Um, in Japan, it released on the December 14, 1990. Um, in the North America, it released on March 1993. This one's called a scrolling shooter. I don't know why it would be any different than the other one, but... I mean, gonna... I think they're both scrolling shooters honestly yeah. they, they really are the other i'd one say this one like, feels what? this one for whatever reason feels more like a scrolling shooter whereas the other one feels more like commando but they both scroll yep and, and this and, one is solely a single player it is a top-down scrolling shooter and i'm reading this straight from wikipedia as a top-down stro- scrolling shooter developed by technosoft for the sake of genesis released in 1990 in japan 93 in north america by renovation products um, the game is auto scrolling upwards. The player can choose a, to either shoot up or down. There are different weapons. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this in the game. So anyway, those are the dry statistics. I will say I just looked up Technosoft because I'm like, this game was, again, I've already said I like both these games so much. This game is so yes. good. I'm like, what else did Technosoft make? Because I've heard the name, but I couldn't tell you. And now I'm looking through this and they just loved the 16-bit yes. and 32-bit era. They a lot of these games are going to be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So, Thunder Force 2, 3, 4, and 5. Herzog, right. Herzog's Vi, Hyper Duel, Blast Wind on the, on the Saturn, um, yeah. uh, Devil's Crush. Yeah. Oh, wow. On the TG-16. Which is that They went from yeah. shmups to, to pinball and nailed that. Nailed it. Nailed it. Let's see what else we got here. It's funny. They, um, they don't have... They have Devil's Crush, but they don't have the other one, which I'm sure must have been them. The... Um, you would think. What's what's the other pinball game on um, the Turbo Graphics? I can't remember the name. Devil's Crush. And have you played? Have you played Herzog? Herzog Spy. I have not. I've, I'm sure I've played a few minutes of it. I have not gotten into it. No. 
Man, when I first got my Genesis, I played that for hours. Loved it. So that was me with this game. Elemental Master, bringing it back around. Yes. I'm going to have to get to some of these other ones. In fact, I think... Hmm, 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 hmm. I'm not sure if I'm going to get it done by next episode, Eric, or by next month, but I think I'm going to do a Cody's Corner on 16-bit Genesis shmups specifically because I have been playing a number of them. We'll talk about them, I'm sure, more next, next episode, but I just got into a rhythm with these games and fell in love with them all all over again one game i just boot up and play like whenever i'm like in a genesis mood is truxton i love that game and i've never dug into it until the other day so we'll we'll talk more about that for sure love it elemental master eric i I think i started talking about gunsmoke do you want to talk about the gameplay in elemental master sure but i i know you've played this a lot more than i have and i'm i know that you i'm pretty sure you beat it because you i did beat it you love this game. And I, I did not beat this, but I, I got probably, I got to the f- third world, which I think there's only six, right? Or five or six? I don't know. Five, yeah, five five worlds. We'll, we'll get into that. So what yep. I will say about this is I've played this game a lot. No, I wouldn't say a lot. I played this game a good amount and got to the point where I was like near the end of the game multiple, multiple times and never beat it. But for this episode, I'm like, no, I'm beating this game and I and I got it beat. So... First, and I first time I ever beat it. And I'd like to say, I would like to say that I ran out of time, but I could have made the time. But this game, to me, is mo- is more difficult than Gundot Smoke right off the bat. Uh, to me, it's opposite. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I, I really think it's more difficult. But anyway, um, the interesting mechanic in this, where we talked about the interesting mechanic in um, Gundot Smoke was the fire left, fire right, fire straight. This game... Ha- is really cool in that you can fire forward with the I think it's the A button, right? Or yep. B, I don't remember. Yep. And then you can fire behind you with the next button, and then the other button changes your elemental weapon. So yes. um and when you first start the game, is that frost or something or something? I don't know. So so really quick, I mean that's the main yeah. thing. So let's yeah. let's touch on the theme, right? Because Elemental Master yeah. doesn't tell you a whole lot. So you're you're starting right. with some cutscenes here which are kind of, of course, like always, they're kind of throwaway, although they're definitely more animated than the NES kind of cutscenes. Yeah, they're, they're good. There's some kind of knight, and there's kind of like this bad guy, which is funny because it's definitely one of these things. I'll give you a little spoiler here, even though I, it really doesn't matter. There's some bad guy, right? And he's yeah. got this like mask, kind of like Phantom of the Opera style mask almost, where it only covers like a third of his face. Yeah. By the end of the game, he pulls off that little tiny bit of mask, and he's like, oh, "You're my brother." It's like you can see his face the whole flipping time, dude. Like, <laughs> like there's no surprise. Come on, it's now. the su- it's the Superman effect, right? <laughs> there wearing you glasses. Go. There you go. Um, but it's very uh, medieval fantasy with you know dragons and fire and freaking laser beams, right? That's <laughs> right. the that's the theme. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so you, you one by one one button fires forward, one button fires back. That's really a cool technique, and it is constantly moving forward. Um, so you need to keep walking in the game. You can't get trapped in areas. You could do that in Gun Dot Smoke, but it didn't happen as much. Um, so you do have to keep moving. You have to avoid obstacles, like in the in the first level. What I wanted to bring up was that. The first one you can't switch to the element, so one of your buttons doesn't even do anything. So you can't 
because you don't have any elements yet. You you're stuck with this first one. So first weapon, yeah, yeah, for sure. The first weapon. So it doesn't mean anything. But then as you progress through the game, when you beat the boss at the end of the level, you get like an elemental power, and, and you I, can. I I, I think it's key to mm-hmm. know that you get when you when you first start the game. I was trying to get to it here. You get to choose which level you want to go to, which stage you want True. to go to first. True. And that's key. So let me just let's see if I can read them off here real quick because I keep I keep missing the part where I need to pause it because he goes through so quick on this on this video. Yeah. Um. Here we go. Boom. So of course, here's your typical like lava flow mountain thing. Um. There's forest. There's the frost one, and then I don't know what this is. I guess plains. <laughs> I don't remember what that is, but yeah. There we go. So sorry to cut you off but i think it's no, kind of no. key because you Please, can go in different I, you, order and you can try to earn the weapons you want in different order yeah and that becomes important because i think in addition to you being able to choose you also get to choose which one you're most comfortable with because they do get harder as you yep. go on regardless of which one you choose yep exactly and then so when you're going through the levels too you find chests and different things that are power-ups one of the power-ups like makes you like when you move, you, you have little copies of yourself, so your your firing gets wider, if that makes sense. Um there are power-ups where you have things that circle you, um so that you can do I think uh, proximity damage or whatever. Um what are the other power-ups? I don't remember. Um well, is that it? There's there's ways to grant. So you start with I think three bars of health, and you can get up to seven. That's right. Yep. Yep. And then right. so there's there's ways to add bars, and there's eight ways to fill up life. So obviously, if you add life, but you only have four bars, and you're already at four bars, it doesn't do anything for you. But if you have seven bars and you're at four bars, you add life, then you go to five. Yep. So you're kind of balancing. I mean, you're just collecting everything really, but you, you're yeah, well, balancing that. There's also yep. the ability to hold down i'm sorry if i'm jumping ahead of you no please there all of these weapons have a secondary weapon where you can hold down the fire button that's right the charge and charge it up and then let go and um sometimes they charge sometimes they auto fire but a big part of the game becomes especially at the boss level which weapon you want to use how you want to use it if you want to charge it and release it strategically or just fire all the time yep Yep, I, I, and yeah, you you nailed it there because it that that and it really is key. Um, like I said, I, it, beating the bosses isn't terribly difficult, at least in the beginning. Um, what I found challenging was moving through, especially that like that first lava level, like trying to not get hit by the flames that are traveling through the cracks in the lava level. Um, while simultaneously trying to shoot and then pick up power-ups. Yeah, you've got like, enemy sprites, but then you've also got like um, locational hazards, if you will, that are happening, yep. like flames that go through those cracks. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the graphics on this are beautiful. Um, you know, like I said, these are walking shmups, so really your your dude could be a spaceship in space, um, but it's just moving forward. But somehow it feels um, so different, right? I don't know what it, it is. It's just the fact that the visuals are showing a guy walking. It feels like a completely different game. Yep, absolutely. Yep, it really does. Um, and like this level, I mean, he's going down a corridor. So this thing kind of forces you down paths in the game. That's what's interesting is there's not very many levels where it's just an open range like in Gunsmoke. You remember 
Like yeah. the, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I blew the trademark. Gun dot smoke. Gun dot oh, smoke. We're gonna get sm- we're gonna get sued. Well, Pixel um, Guide just referenced our movie. <laughs> exactly, our TV our, show. Our TV show. That's right. More like fifty year old TV show. Um, so our, ne- our next game is Magnum PI. <laughs> we're gonna play exactly, exactly the A dot team. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, this game forces you kind of down corridors, which so there's there is which was less so in in Gun Dot Smoke. Like that had wide open spaces, or or you know you're walking through the town and it's a wide open thing. This one forces you down little paths, which um, a little more claustrophobic. It, yeah, exactly. A little more cla- like this. It just shifted, and like now you're kind of on one side, and it, it, it's hard to explain, but it it does make you think about where you're walking and. The interesting thing is like this level we're watching on the screen here is like parallax scrolling. So the graphics are very, very nice. And the, the sound and music is really good too. And this is, and this is kind of, uh, so it's become more and more apparent to me as I got into some Genesis shooters. Mm -hmm. This is quintessential Genesis action, right? This is like, even though I know it's not a thing now, this is like blast processing at its best, right? <laughs> like tons of stuff on the screen, no, right. very yeah. quick movements, like a reflex gameplay, kind of in-your-face graphics and action. And you it's not a long game. It's a game you play, and it's intense from start to finish. And then as soon as you die, you're like, I need to try that again. And you do it all over again. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's very Genesis. The music is all those... Um, is it what, what is it the FM sound chip that the Genesis is. used? And yep. it's got those you know all those Genesis uh, like like those you know like there's a there's a gremlin in your Genesis banging on metal and that's the sound chip right that yep. and it's just breaking up because there's so much going on at once. Yep. Um, over the top like Dungeons and Dragons fantasy creatures and uh, I, I mean it's it's super cool. It is super cool. No, I, I like I, said, I I like this game a lot. I think if I had spent more time with it, I think I could have beaten it. But um, as well, the, it is, I didn't. But I do like it a lot. But the best thing about it, uh, uh, you know, everything works really well for me. And mm-hmm. I, also the fact that most of the enemies are one or very few shots, so you feel powerful the whole time you're playing it. Um, I love that. Uh, there's strategic uh, strategy in choosing which weapons you're going to use at which areas. There's there's a lot here that just keeps me entertained, but the main thing is the fact that you can shoot backwards, and the mm-hmm. level design is brilliant in the fact that they have things coming from the front and the back, which typically I hate, but I hate it if there's no warning. But this yeah. whole game kind of forces you to be in the middle of the screen. You're never just hanging out at the back. So when things right. come from the back, you're reacting to it. You're not just getting hit with it, hit by them without knowing they're coming. Um, and I wouldn't say, yeah, and I wouldn't say that like uh, just being in the middle doesn't give you a great disadvantage because nothing is, nothing's moving so fast that you're not going to have time to react. Yes. So you feel, and then the, just the level, the way it's designed, it puts kind of puts you in the middle. Yeah. Um, but then it, it, the way again, the level design is designed, it'll put you almost in these little puzzle situations in each level. Yeah, where if you where you kind of have to use your brain a different way, going okay, that's right, I can shoot backwards. So next time I get to this part, I'm going to kind of hide over here and shoot backwards and kill this guy before he comes in the middle of the screen and stops yep. me from being able to get there to shoot the guy ahead of me. So it kind of becomes this um, 
quick twitch but like a very light puzzle element to it as well and yep. uh and i just think it's super cool now once Definitely. you beat the, the five the four levels yep then you go into a, another level a fifth level right this hedgehog boss too and so it's kind of like again it's very much like mega man maybe that's one reason i love it in the fact that you beat these bosses and you gain powers at the end of the levels you can use later but then at the, at the end of the fifth level they have a boss rush you beat all the bosses again basically having to dig back into your memory of how you beat each one and do it all again except, you know, except, uh, subsequently so they're all in order and then you beat the final main boss so when you beat the first four levels you're really like halfway there right um, <laughs> but i love every second of it and um and it's great this, this game screams for a sequel and they never made one no i don't i yeah. mean i don't know how well it did so this is a game that i you know again i don't i don't collect for money or anything this is a game that i always loved and i had a real copy of and i had bought it for like 14 dollars or something back in the day um and by back in the day but like when i first started collecting right out of college which would have been back in the day now um and of course i just looked you know i, I think i sold it for 120 dollars. i'm like that's a stupid price well now this thing's like 250 or something stupid um a bunch of the genesis shooters have gotten crazy uh i also had a copy of uh, guy Aries, i had a copy of grindstormer you know complete in box all these games and i yeah. still you know i still made a ton of money selling them because i have the flash card i can play them still but you know there's always a part of you that's like man they've gotten stupid even more stupid than they than when i sold them but it is what yeah. it is i remember seeing truxton like at a shop for i think it was 45 or 50 bucks and i was like i'm not paying that much for a genesis game right <laughs> now it's like i don't know how much it is now 500 bucks i don't know i have no Oof, idea that much wow I have no idea. I might be wrong on that, but I I know I'm it's sure a lot, it's more than forty more. bucks, though. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. I, if I were just to randomly guess, I'd say one fifty, two hundred, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but. anyway, yeah, this game I, I do like this game a lot. I do find it much more challenging than uh, Gun Dot Smoke. So, and, and for me, it's the other way around. For me, this game, I feel all powerful, and I can get very far in it easily. Um, I had never beat it until recently, but. Um, once you've played it and kind of learned the patterns, it's not terribly difficult to beat. Yeah. Um, so I found this one to be easier, more viscerally exciting, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'll just say it right now, when I give my rating, I'm going to give the slight nod to Elemental Master. I think it's a brilliant yeah. Genesis game. It's probably in my top five. Absolutely love it's it. De- Out of it's 80- definitely more versatile. I mean, like the changing of the weapons, the the health bars. I mean... It's definitely more, I guess, for lack of a better term, more robust than Gun Dot Smoke. I mean, the, 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 I, I, I hate to say strategic or strategery it, or whatever. I, see, but I think it is. I think it's. Yeah. Gun Smoke I think is you're right. a lot of a, a great gameplay, but a lot of it over and over and over again. Whereas, like, the bosses in particular with this one are very different. You have to have they're completely different patterns, um, different strategies. We're watching the snake boss that comes out of the water and like attacks you here. Yep. But um, so out of eighty pounds of raw hide or whatever I said. Yep. I gave. And Gun- I gave. I, I gave Gundot Smoke seventy two. I think. You did. I'll go first on this one. I would go give ahead. this. I mean, I love this game. I'll give it seventy six. Okay. I'm gonna give it. So I gave Gundot Smoke seventy two. I'm gonna give. I I really like this game. I'd love to come back and beat it. I'm going to say 70. There you go. 
So very close, but I, I do give the edge to Gun.Smoke. The 8-bit over the 16-bit. Yep, and I've done that many times in the past. This time I did go with the with the higher bit rate, but... Yep. So there's our battle of systems. We have a split decision. Split so decision. Pixel and Evert went, went opposite ways on this one. Yep. Um, it a, you, Pixel Gun listeners, give it a try yourself. I think you'll enjoy both of them. I mean, they're both solid games, both really fun to play. I enjoyed my time with them this month. And I know Tim, who's not on this particular show, has played Elemental Master, and it's one of his favorites as well. So I know he loves this oh, one. Oh, really? Okay. Um, it's a game that I never hear about in, in the U.S. I don't know how Tim heard about it. Maybe it's just because he had a video game store kind of at this time. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a terribly popular game, but maybe, it, who knows? In, in England, things that were really popular over there weren't over here, so who knows? Right. But that is our Battle of the Systems, and that is an episode of Pixel Guide N, Eric. Woohoo! Uh, sliding in here right around the two and a half hour mark so a little shorter than our last couple which is probably for the best <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i noticed that last one which was super long like didn't have as many listens as the one before that so i imagine uh we lose some people when they see it's like four four and a half hours long <laughs> you know what stop looking just listen just you'll, listen you'll love it you can hit pause you know <laughs> See, I love the long episodes, too, because I typically do, when I'm driving, I go two hours each way, so I'll listen to one long episode for a full day of driving. Yep, but. yep. All right, cool. Eric, well, we're, we're, you and I are going to hop on to the next episode and get Tim on the line, but you listeners can join us in 15 days on uh, just, what? when is Halloween? How does that work? Halloween's the 30... Halloween's the 31st, right? Yeah, it's always so the day the before 31st. Halloween. Yep for another spooktacular episode of pixel guide in <laughs> in which we'll uh catch up with tim we'll see how that vectrix is doing that we sent his way yes hopefully it survived and um we have a six good game segment with the atari jaguar as well as eric's uh teased segment where he gets his jvc uh xi, XI. which yeah. is like a sega genesis slash sega cd combination from jvc yep. and if he gets that up and running so i'm excited to do that i'm excited for you guys to hear it any last words eric before we head out nope i prost prost and it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. Alone. thank you again for listening you can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. I'll get you next time, Pixel Guiden.